Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Paperwise this morning, clearly they have uh, uh, articles and aspects on the race for the White House, but by the time they went to print, of course, a lot was happening overnight. I stayed up. I don't know whether you guys stayed up when I stood up till, till 3 o'clock, but then realised at that stage, it was entertaining enough, interesting enough, but at that stage, I think we all realised this is going to be a much longer haul. Uh, maybe we should have known that because uh, there's just such a massive amount of votes and the different timelines in America from East Coast to West Coast with the different time zones makes things slower to close on the West Coast and things like that. Uh, but we will come back to this a little later on this morning. But uh, what does seem to be interesting is that uh, Donald Trump, I don't know if this last time people, but Donald Trump gained more votes from American people this year than he did back in 2016. That counts for nothing really when it comes down to these electoral uh, college votes. But um, regular text to the program who's been texting me constantly with regards to the American election and did so yesterday morning said, Neil, watch out for the red wave to hit America. And he says this morning, what did I tell you, Neil? The red wave has hit America hard. Four more years. Well, unless you're ahead of the game. Um, I'm not so sure you could call it in any way, shape or form just yet. But we'll see how the morning goes on. Uh, paper-wise then, uh, a lot of other stories. Of course, the polar uh, temperatures that we're getting. Ireland set to shiver over a polar, under a, a polar ice mass as temperatures uh, are delivering freezing temperatures. But, you know, that's, that's just the way it is for this time of the year. Story that we'll return to makes many of the papers this morning. The front of the Echo, jailed for the deception of a woman at the age of 72 down in West Cork. Two men filled her living room with chainsaws, power washers, generators and other tools. They demanded huge payments. Uh, like I think one of the papers this morning is saying that when you added everything up, she wrote checks to the value of 25,000 euro. Only tools and fraudsters is a headline from the sun. Don't you love the headline writers in the tabloids? Only tools and fraudsters. And this morning, uh, the sun also calls them pairs, uh, pair of... Uh, Actually, I can't work that out because it misses the top. But callous con men who scammed a 72-year-old woman with thousands of euro in power tools, they got jailed yesterday for two years. Paul Byrne was in court for uh, Virgin Media News. I'll talk to him a little later. And then there was a three-year suspended sentence uh, handed down to a 72-year-old uh, chap who worked in the credit union. He took out loans in the credit union in his son's name without his son's knowledge causing a 35,000 euro loss. So that was a suspended sentence, interestingly enough. And you know how we're hearing of a, ha- a hatchet attack in Dublin? And I told you yesterday about a knife attack inside in the Bishop Lucy Park. Uh, the courts this morning, Liam Healer in the Echo talks of a man working in door security who turned to criminality when he armed himself with a machete, demanded cash from a young woman working behind the counter in a Black Rock filling station, Circle K, uh, back in November of last year. A fellow by the name of James Jamie Quilligan from Mahan, and he was before the courts. Uh, sentencing was adjourned until April, but in that case it was a machete. Leo stood up in the door yesterday it took a bit of a bruising from uh, question time, but I don't think that anybody's landed enough of a blow or a glove on him that would make it a resignation uh, or a sacking offence. Of course, it's not going to happen anyway, whatever he did with, uh, you know, giving it uh, the documentation, which was marked confidential, uh, that was supposed to go to the IMO, and he gives it to uh, a rival GP union last year. Uh, nothing's going to happen to him because of the fact that... Um, uh, he's got uh, Michal Martin as his back, but he did apologise and then blamed a friend for the leak. Rao blamed a friend for leaking uh, what he did last year. Uh, backbenchers are still not satisfied, but uh, I think really this would just kind of go through the motions unless there's more to come. There were 23 new COVID cases in Cork yesterday, and that's why Tony Holden is optimistic that if you continue on this track, all would be well. But does anybody think... 
that there is so much traffic around and nobody's baking banana bread. You know, these kind of things that we witnessed last time around, April and May, no traffic, everybody. So this lockdown is very, very, I'm not suggesting that people aren't taking it seriously. All I'm saying is that there is lots and lots and lots. Like yesterday's traffic was absolutely chronic. And then there's a priest on the north side of Cork, uh, Father Tomás Walsh. He's entitled to his opinion. He's made a series of claims in a number of letters that have been distributed throughout his parish. And it's a story that makes the examiner today where he says that the coronavirus is no more dangerous than the seasonal flu. And he says the annual death toll in Ireland would be roughly the same as any other year. So it's interesting. I may well come back to that, particularly if it's possible to talk to Father Tomás. Um, I didn't know, actually, that uh, face masks weren't mandatory in taxis. I would have thought anyone that's been carried for fare would have to wear a mask in whether it's a bus or a train or a taxi, but apparently not. And taxi drivers want that changed. But anyway, a ray of hope for Christmas if we continue on the track that we're on and the papers talk of that. Another one or two that we touched on yesterday. Uh, your, your insurance, your motor insurance is up 35% in spite of the fact that claims are down by 45%. How do you figure that one out? Um, I, I don't get it, but then again, insurance companies do not want to make losses and that's why they don't. They make profits. It's interesting. You know, when you talk of, of hate crimes. There's a story in the mail this morning that says technically at the dinner table, if people row regarding race, um, politics, religion, that could be deemed as a hate crime. So hate crime in the home could be a potential crime. That's the way the world is going now. A bit of, um, you know, spirited debate at the dinner table could be deemed an actual criminal offence. And yesterday, I was telling you all about the fact that it was International uh, Sandwich Day yesterday. And the mirror picks up on that story this morning with Ireland's uh, top 10 sambos. Um, and of course, I, I gave you those yesterday, the toasted uh, ham and cheese special, the chicken or turkey stuffing, the BLT, the ham and cheese, the salad, the tuna and sweet corn. In there actually is, is the egg mayo, which would probably be nicer if it was egg mayo and finely chopped onion. What do you think, lads? But anyway, it's a story that makes the papers. And we got a good response to that yesterday particularly with your favourite Cork location, and I have more of those to read out. But in the UK, and I wonder how much we could replicate this here with our taste buds, but the Times this morning um, has a survey on Britain's favourite veg. And apparently, I don't think this would happen here, but apparently the Brussels sprout has been voted Britain's favourite green vegetable. Isn't that amazing? It just pipped broccoli, apparently, into uh, into first place, and broccoli came in second. Uh, no, no green beans, no asparagus, uh, nothing like that. Brussels sprouts, and the jury's out on that here. Apparently, we were only interested in Christmas time, and when people push it around the plate. Uh, that's a story that makes this morning's times. Lines are open at one 106 Let's drive on. The Neil Prenderville Show. Ah, yes, indeed. So, Trump already has been talking about voter fraud overnight, um, but, of course, there's no evidence of it in the whole wide earthly world. He is also asking for the counting of votes to stop now. Somebody made the analogy earlier on on one of the news channels that I was listening to. He said that would be like somebody going up the 12th green in a golf game and saying, I have one stop play now or 20 minutes to go in a premiership or a Cork City match and the team saying, stop, we're one goal ahead Stop now. I mean, you got to count all of the votes, don't you? Uh, but we are gathering some audio and I'll have some more of it across across the morning. So let's just have a, a look at one or two of the, the pieces of audio. This is Trump followed by by Joe Biden. Um, this is some of the speech I find that they've been doing overnight in America. Trump first. This is a fraud 
on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. So our goal now is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at four o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? It's, it's a very sad, it's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment. And we will win this. And we, as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. Well, fair play to you, but why are you, why is he asking for votes to be stopped counting? I mean, like, that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, if the people have voted, you, you just keep on counting them until such time and there are no more to count. Anyway, Joe Biden. You know, we could know the results as early as tomorrow morning, but it may take a little longer. As I've said all along, it's not my place or Donald Trump's place to declare who's won this election. That's the decision of the American people. But I'm optimistic about this outcome. And I want to thank every one of you who came out and voted in this election. I'm grateful to the poll workers, to our volunteers, our canvassers, everyone who participated in this democratic process. And I'm grateful to all of my supporters here in Delaware and all across the nation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And folks, you heard me say it before. Every time I walk out of my grandpa's house up in Scranton, he'd yell, Joey, keep the faith. And my grandma, when she was alive, yelled, no, Joey, spread it. Keep the faith, guys. We're going to win this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, it's, this is great. It's the numbers will determine at the end of the day. And as we head across this, uh, this Wednesday morning, um, you need 270 votes from the Electoral Colleges. 270 is the magic number at the moment. Uh, Joe Biden has 220 and Donald Trump has 213. Uh, for sure, this is not the landslide or the easy victory uh, that the Democratic Party were suggesting it would be. So they both must be somewhat quaking in the boots. Somebody says to me, did I hear right? Did Trump say the election is a fraud on the American public and then in the same breath said that he won? Yes. But I guess that's Donald Trump. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. I refer there earlier on to a case that I've been watching because we heard of this uh, much earlier in the year of a couple of con men who scammed uh, a 72-year-old woman uh, out of some of the newspapers to speculating up to 25,000 euro. They were up before Judge Sean O'Donovan yesterday and Sean, Judge Sean O'Donovan did not hold back actually and jail them for two years. With the backstory in court yesterday was Paul Byrne for Virgin Media News. He joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What's it all about? Um, from the outset, Neil, let me tell you that when we posted this uh, story yesterday, the level of outrage and disgust towards these two men is on the same scale as when a paedophile is jailed. Yeah, and, and I got that sense also from the judge, I have to say, yesterday. I can tell you, Sean O'Donovan doesn't take any prisoners. He sends them to prison if everyone. He was sending out a message yesterday. You carry out this type of crime, 
you're going down. That is it. Bottom line. Um, they did pay back a few bob, but it didn't wash with the judge. Uh, you had these two men. They're brothers. They're in their 30s. They're from uh, Rathkeel in County Limerick. They set off um, in their van, stocked with generators, chainsaws, power hoses, knives, loads of t- different types of tools. And they, they hit West Cork in their transit van. And they bumped into this then 70-year-old woman in a shop in Skibbereen and one of the boys pulled out a brochure and said he was selling um, uh, power hoses and chainsaws and etc, etc, etc. Now this woman in her 70s said she had no interest in them, she didn't need them. Uh, he pulled out a business card, gave it to her with his phone number on it. She went home, she lives in a very remote area of West Cork. She called him to say, don't come next to near my place, uh, I'm not interested. And before she knew it, she saw this transit van driving up her driveway. They knocked on the door, she opened it, they started to engage in chit-chat. One of them she described as being somewhat pleasant, engaging in conversation. He spoke about this and that and the weather and even mentioned Our Lady of Lords. And while all this was going on, in the space of 30 minutes, her living room was full of generators and power hoses and chainsaws. She just, you know, this was going on and I don't need them, I don't need them. Your grandmam, don't worry, everything will be fine. You'll need this stuff. And they had filled the, the, the living room. These guys are so convincing. And this woman was living alone. She was extremely fearful. And they got her to sign out, write out a couple of checks. And as cute as they are, when she crossed the checks, they said, no, that's no good to us. They got her to tear up the checks that she had crossed, written and then crossed, because they couldn't cash them. And then they got her to make out six different checks, totaling €25,000. Once that had been done, they left as quick as they came in. They got to the bank. They managed to cash two of the checks uh, worth six and a half grand. Luckily, she had the common sense to get onto the bank and stop the others because had she had they cashed them, she'd been out of pocket to about twenty five. We don't know the area, but we do know that it was a bank in in Skibbereen, so that identifies West Cork. Yeah. I think yeah, she was yeah. in Goline, wasn't she? She was in Goline, a very remote area. And, you know, like, I mean, it's a lovely area. Mm. But and, and these are the type of guys who go around uh, rural Ireland scouring out innocent victims. What does a 72-year-old need with 11 generators, 12 chainsaws, 7 power washers and an assortment of knives and tools all stacked in her living room? And that's that's what Judge Sean Donovan said. And what in the name of God was going on here? You know, but look, Soft touch. this woman... This wo- oh yeah, soft touch, big time. I mean, this woman said in the victim impact report she was vulnerable, she was stupid, she was fearful, she was alone. You know what did she? What was she going to do? So they managed to cash some. What happened next then? Um, there was a Garda investigation immediately launched, and these two boys were picked up a short time later. Um, a couple of days later they appeared in court in Bantry this is going back last year they were charged uh, under the theft and fraud of the Offences Act they were bailed and then they wanted their bail conditions relaxed because uh, they found it difficult to go and sign on at a Garda station four days a week or whatever the case may be and one of them said at the time that he had a sick child and um, Judge James McNulty who was hearing the initial cases was having none of it he set the bail conditions in stone and he said stay out of West Cork unless you had to communicate with your solicitor. Uh, James was taking this as an extremely, James McNulty was taking this uh, very, very seriously. Um, they appeared in courts then in the circuit court last, uh, er, earlier this year, uh, Detective Gather, Martin Bohan from the Bantry Division gave evidence of, of the um, 
the, the outline of the case. Uh, they pleaded guilty and they were bailed again until yesterday. They were in court yesterday. They were dressed up to the nines, certain ties, like uh, two little confirmation boys, um, laughing and joking out in the hall area before the case was called. They went in, they were put into the dock. Uh, again, the evidence was read out before Judge Sean O'Donovan to remind them of the, out, uh, the outline of the case. And immediately when he started delivering judgment, he said he was taking this as an extremely serious case, phenomenally serious. He said these boys knew what they were doing. He said it wasn't as if they were young fellas. They were men in their 30s. It was... Um, they met the woman, they followed her to the remote uh, house, they knew what they were doing it was pure criminality, the victim he said didn't have time to think, she barely had time to breathe, mm. and before he knew it they, he had sentenced each of them to four years in prison, but because of the guilty plea, because the woman didn't have to come and give evidence, he suspended uh, two years, and he sentenced each of them to two years in prison How did they react they to were, that? Yeah? They were shell-shocked they were shell-shocked, I think because they felt they were going to get um, a suspended sentence you see, they did pay back six and a half thousand, six thousand euro to her, and money that had been lodged when they were looking for bail that totaled eight grand, and they said that they would forfeit that money. And the judge asked, "Where did that money come from?" And he said, "That can go." elsewhere um, but he wasn't uh, they weren't going to buy their way out of prison mm. yesterday mm. he wasn't having anything to do with it he was sending out a clear message you take advantage of anyone who's vulnerable and you're going down and that's it and he jailed each of them for two years then their respective partners burst in to the courtroom roaring and screaming and shouting and trying to hug them and kiss them and um, Judge Sean O'Donovan said uh, remove the drama from the courtroom I'm having none of it did um did that elderly lady, the seventy two year old, get all of her money back? Uh, she she got the six. Remember, they cashed the check for six and a half. Yeah. she got six of that back, but she managed to stop the other checks from being cashed. Okay, so she's still out of pocket, but something no, like no, she, she's for five hundred quid. Yeah, five hundred quid. Yeah. but she was luckily that she did stop the checks from being cashed. Otherwise, she would have been out of pocket for twenty five grand. It's a disgusting crime. I mean, I know people who, uh, you know, they were outraged, just appalled at what happened. And um, again, we, we spoke to the guards afterwards yesterday, a sergeant, our superintendent, Ronan Kennelly, who's a head man down in Bantry. And he just said, look, fair play to the woman for having trust in them to investigate the, the, the case. Fair play to her for coming forward. They, uh, they welcomed the conviction. And again, they're appealing to anyone. Be careful. If someone calls to your door, don't have any hesitation in asking them for identification because anyone who's legit will have some form of identification um, and if you're not happy even just say no goodbye call the guards and the guards will come out and investigate yes, but, she, Ireland, but she did all of that Ireland, she did all that but, you know. no no she had met them and they came in you know what I mean to the, to the house she had met them but she didn't want anything but look these guys are overpowering you know, they're just, they, she was, they were over, they're overbearing. You know, they, they, they will put the fear of God into you. And she was petrified, but she said she didn't want to show it, but she was petrified, but she was damn glad she said in a statement that she, that these guys were caught. I just didn't think and it was uh, that easy to cash a check in a bank these days when you walk in from a different county into a bank in Skibbereen and they give you six grand over the counter. Yeah, I, I think sometimes if they're paying, pay, pay, pay them to cash or, you know, these guys might have had an, an account and, and they lost Perhaps. it. And, okay. You know, you, you just look at, listen, they're, they're, they're good operators. I, if, if the one, you know, that might sound strange, but these guys know what they're doing. 
Um, you know, they, they they have their eyes dotted and T's crossed. They they know what they're up to. They know how. I mean, the straight away when she crossed the check. Oh no, ma'am! We'll cheer those up. Windows send out right out another check and don't cross it. And I hope that she'll you know? be okay psychologically going forward because she lives alone, does she not? She does. I think she actually moved from um, the house, as far as I'm aware, and she has moved into sheltered housing since. Um, you know, there's so many people like that lady across the country today, living alone, uh, or others just living together, elderly couples, and they're they're prime targets for these. Soldiers okay. who go around okay. praying on the elderly. You okay. Know? Well, Sean O'Donovan wasn't taking any prisoners yesterday. He was making prisoners. Can, just before I let you, can I ask you about another case that's quite interesting? Siobhan Langford, the barrister, is prosecuting a pair of ex-solicitors in a court court. Um, and I've been following that with interest regarding, uh, because parts of it involve um, identity um, theft, isn't it? Where they they, they, they um, created false identities, even wore disguises, paid homeless people for their PPS numbers to take out loans in banks. Is that right? Neil, that particular case, you couldn't write it. No. It's the thing that movies are made of. And I'm genuinely, like, they're not trying to lighten it in any way. It's it's just an incredible story. Here you had a guy called Keith Flynn, a solicitor, and Lindsay Clark, also a solicitor. Uh, they teamed up, I think it was around 2012. He had a practice in Dublin and in Cork in George's Key. And basically... And around 2017, uh, they got together, uh, they, they separated from their wives and our wife and husband. They set up a relationship. And in 2017, they started to apply for bank loans using bogus identifications. Uh, this all happened over an 18-month period. They pocketed almost 400 grand. Now, as you said, prosecution um, barrister Siobhan Langford, she said a couple, they were basically running an identity factory. I mean, this was an incredible operation, very sophisticated to a point, because when the Bank of Ireland, uh, basically these people were applying for loans. Um, They were using fake driving licenses, bogus pay slips, and they even went down onto the streets of Cork and paid homeless people for their PPS cards and PPS numbers so they could apply for the loans. But they were applying for loans, left, right and centre, 18 financial institutions in total. And someone in the Bank of Ireland became extremely concerned with the level of applications uh, that were being made. But again, they were being made under uh, different identifications and false names. Now, the Bank of Ireland contacted the uh, guards here in Cork. The guards carried out an investigation. They raided the couple's flat in Blarney Street. They found laptops. They used, they found 92, they, there was a safe. And in the safe, they found the laptops, 92,000 euro in cash, 21 driving licenses, fake bank cards, 16 credit union books, all with different names, and a load of wigs, which the people, uh, Keith Flynn and Lindsay Clark, would use when they were going in to set up these uh, bogus bank accounts. They had something like um, almost 70 or 57 uh, bogus accounts. This was a really big, big, extensive operation. And again, they pocketed almost 400 grand in, um, in cash. Like... They were basically, as they said in court, motivated by greed. And uh, you can say all of this because they fully cooperated with guards, apparently, and uh, made admissions of guilt. They did, and they put their hands up from day one, you know, and they came to the court when they were charged. They, um, the, the, the charges were read out in the district court. The couple approached the court there last year, uh, walked up the street, 
you would just think they were an ordinary Joe Soaps. There was no shirt and tie because he had once been a solicitor. She too had, she was also, in fact, a number of years ago, uh, an election candidate in the local elections. She ran under the Fine Gael ticket. Uh, she received just a, a couple of, a handful of votes. But they went into court and they looked as if they were penniless just pure penniless. He at the time is working for a chef. She's on a back-to-work scheme. Uh, they were struck off as practicing solicitors around 2018. Uh, the practice was described as a chaotic type of practice. Uh, they, they pleaded guilty anyway to conspiracy to commit fraud. They were due to be sentenced last Friday. He was uh, remanded in custody last week, but uh, they have a three-month-old child, and I think she expressed in court concern that she would like to continue to continue to breastfeed her baby until uh, further. Sentencing in both cases, he's in custody, she's out on bail and sentencing will be uh, take place in next February but I do believe, and she has uh, already, uh, her own defence team have put up, um, you know, said that yes, can she get her affairs in order before she goes to jail. Are, you, are they expecting a jail sentence then? Well, he's in custody yeah. and um Look, I, I, you know, you just don't know, but uh, I would think genuinely white-collar crime isn't um, looked at too nicely by certain judges, and I, I would expect that both of them will get a deal. All right. Listen, in fairness to you, you covered a lot of d- detail there, a lot of minutiae on both cases, and I appreciate it. Much obliged to you, Paul. Appreciate it as Thank always. You. Paul Byrne uh, with Virgin Media News. I mean, it's an incredible story, that one, regarding uh, the two ex-solicitors. Like, they, uh, you know, I mean, all of these fake driving licenses, fake bank statements, fake pay slips. Um, you know, PPS numbers from homeless people, uh, fake Virgin Media, electricity, electricity, Ireland bills, 30 SIM cards. And as I say, uh, did he say something in the region of 90 grand in cash in a safe, but totaling just under 400,000 euro following their uh, criminal uh, activity. Um, we'll watch that one. It does come down for sentencing in the new year. Lines are open at one 106 You can text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone, give us a bell, let us know what's on your mind. Back after these. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. On the jailing of the two characters, very hard, Neil, to cash a cheque in a bank. How did these men who were in court yesterday manage to cash the cheque so easily? Something in the region of, of six grand. Maybe they went to a bank where they already had a bank account. Maybe you might be even find it extraordinary that they had a bank account. Uh, but somebody else is suggesting we won't even go there. Where did all the power tools and stuff come from in the first place? Mind you, somebody's saying those two lads from Rathkeel, Rathkeel's finest. They sound like right morons. But a number of texts here to 0868104106 is saying that, and they're saying, two years is just not enough. Somebody else describes a two-year jail sentence as a joke. Uh, be damn lucky, though, that they were up before Sean O'Donovan, because you, you could have also had another judge uh, when there was a guilty plea, we're paying the money back, blah, 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 that they'd get a suspended sentence. So they will do time. Is it enough? Text 0868104106. Seamus, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? I love the sun this morning. Only tools and fraudsters. Is two years enough? Um, it's hard to say, but like I suppose it, it was a bit of good news from the courts, really, when you look at it. I mean, it's, it, 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 one judge taking a hardline approach and a couple of fraudsters are opportunists, really. You know, as you said, from the reports, they were laughing inside the court as they went in, probably trying to sell themselves off as butter wood, wooden, butter wooden milk, you know, um, in their suits. But look at you know, they got a right shock, Paul Byrne said, when he said four years to suspend I'd say, I'd say their jaws dropped and they went pale white. 
they couldn't believe it. But you know, when, when you look at the, the, the legal system overall, you know, people are walking out with suspended sentences and like the likes of 18 months to two to three years of prison, whereby the only, most of the money you get served about half of that anyway in good behaviour for like the likes of manslaughter purely because on a technical ground they can't prove it was murder. You know, at the end of the day, life was taken. Not in this case, obviously, but you know, in other cases. So, yeah, you know, I know no life was taken, but a life was changed drastically nonetheless. The life of a 72 oh, no, year old yeah, woman. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with the sentence. I, you know, there's no doubt about it. A couple of opportunists like that, they could destroy someone's life completely. They could give an old person a heart attack. And the mere fact that they realise they've been defrauded of their life savings or something like that because of a couple of opportunist uh, criminals, you know. I mean, then, the, then the, you know, we'd be looking at like culpability or some sort of, um, uh, you know, yeah, some sort of culpability when it comes to the death of that person. Like, the, 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 you know, I think it was a great, it was just a great bit of news, really. But you know, no compensation for what she went through from these characters. 500 euros, 500 euros she has to suffer the loss of. So in, in one sense, yeah. did she get justice herself for what she was put through? Okay, what, what is justice? I know what you mean. Like, you could say, like, if the judge turned around and said... At the same time, you know, that, that, if, you, if that was basically the argument, right, if the judge did turn around and say, look, I say, you know, I'll accept your, your uh, guilty plea, for example, and, uh, uh, you know, if you're willing to pay back the money, we let it go. That's not good enough. No. They go out and do it again. No, no, so, no. So that's just, just saying, just, just that's just saying, do, do what you want, but make sure you don't get caught. You can't have that. Yeah, it's like being a politician, you know, oh, I'm sorry for what I did and oh, we go and do it again. You know, there's no. It's there's like no what they're way. saying. It's like what the opposition was saying to Varadkar. Uh, at yeah. what stage did you realise the leak was the wrong yeah. thing to do, or sending the yeah, documents? Exactly. You know, uh, is, is, or, is, is it yeah. o- is it only a problem now because you were caught? You know, you know, is an apology good enough for the the tenth or eleventh mistake? You know, at what point do you have to call it the day? Like, <laughs> so should a message go out to all judges then, um, just like Sean O'Donovan yesterday? Yeah. Absolutely, you know, I mean, the, 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 the fundamental premise of law in this country, it, it looks at a utilitarian or a versus a, a retributive approach. This system is completely retributive. In other words, it just it, it, it deems you, I know it's fully 100% deems you, which is the right way to look at it, I guess, uh, innocent until proven guilty. However, you know, the, the, the punishment never fits the crime in this country. And it's been seen for the last, I'd say, 25 years. Not forget, like, uh, you know, a lot of your listeners probably wouldn't remember, but they're, uh, you know, in uh, part of Dublin back, I'd say, about 25 years ago, a young um, uh, uh, Asian uh, uh, girl, a student, of, I think she was a student of Trinity College, she was going back to her apartment. Um, Man, was that Manuela? I can't remember. I can't remember the details. She was going back to her apartment on Campbell Street. So no detail there. But uh, she she was uh, brutally raped and, uh, and murdered uh, subsequently by a, uh, a drug addict uh, on the doorstep of her own uh, home. And her parents had to be brought over in absolute shock. You know, uh, this is from a Chinese system and they saw this guy get away with it. I think he got a two-year sentence or something like that. It was, it was, it was abhorrent, like, but they, they were in, in shock. I mean, it was just it was a real telling. It was a real telling of how our justice system works here, you know, and it's... it's it is pretty much the point of purpose. But I suppose that in, in saying that, it's great to see the judge yeah. come out and give the pro- crime, you know, give, give the punishment that fits the crime. Okay, a good, a good day yesterday, although texters yeah. now are suggesting that it wasn't. What people are saying this morning is two years is not enough. They'd be out in a year to a year and four months. And also, uh, I, yeah, and, and a lot of people are saying, why wasn't it addressed in court where these, this, all of these power tools and machinery came from? 
that wasn't chased up by, well, I don't know what the Guardian doing in regards to that. That would be separate to what happened to that elderly woman. But uh, a good day, yeah, but many are saying two years is not enough. Not enough. But just when you look at murder in this country, I, I agree, you know, maybe it's not enough. Maybe she should be compensated. Maybe they should be forced to pay back all the money, even upon the, you know, when, when, they, when they are released. That's the first thing they have to do, like, if they get a job or if they must pay back the money for it. Okay, okay. However, when you look, you know, when you look at murder, man, daughter, you know, the more serious crimes, I guess, out there in, in society in Ireland, they, 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 the punishment certainly does yeah, not. Yeah, you might be interested. Paddy says by text here, two years is actually only 16 months in jail, Neil, when the third remission is put into effect. If they serve 12 months, I'd be surprised, says Paddy. They're still going to jail and they weren't expecting that yesterday. So good result nonetheless. All right. Thanks, Seamus. Appreciate it, my man. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. And right across this week, the 65th Cork International Film Festival starts on Sunday evening and it runs right through to the 15th of November. So it's digital. It's online. You can get further details on all of the films in the film festival and how you can watch them. You can get the app CIFF2020 or you can get onto their website CorkFilmFest.org. But we have complimentary access to 10 digital festival screenings every day this week for you guys out there. So, how are we doing it? Well, it's based on a movie clip. So it would be um, a word, or perhaps two words that are beeped out. So we'll need the beeped out word, or words. We will need the actor and the movie. So don't call just yet, but here's day three. You know what they call a a quarter pounder with cheese uh, and hair? They call it uh, What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Maybe you want one of them now. For me, probably the greatest movie of all time. I don't know what you guys think of that. I'll play it another couple of times for sound midday, and that would be the beeped out word, please. The actors, for there are two in that piece, and indeed the movie. Shouldn't present too much of a problem for you if you know your movie. So we'll come back to that throughout the course of the morning. Um, a pharmacist was in touch <clears throat> with all this lockdown and COVID restrictions. Uh, she says there are still people who are awaiting tests in Cork or are awaiting results of tests in Cork walking around. They're still doing it. They're going into shops. They're going into pharmacies. Do people not get it? that if they might be infected, they must self-isolate until they've been deemed negative. GPs are emailing prescriptions to pharmacies, so there isn't even a need to hand in prescriptions in person anymore. Just get someone to collect it. Ask the pharmacy to deliver it if possible. She says, I'm not sure the shops and pharmacies would rather deliver I'm sure they would rather deliver than have a possible COVID case presenting in their shop or chemist. Uh, I don't think people realize that it's other people they're putting at risk, vulnerable people, especially in pharmacies. Hope you don't mind uh, texting, uh, but I hope you don't mind me texting, but everyone listens to you and I'm sure any local GP would be happy to talk about it. Or if you wish to talk to the pharmacy union, don't give out details of our own pharmacy because of GDPR. But anyway, it's worth saying. It's, it, it kind of backs up what I was saying earlier this morning. I think I'm not saying people aren't being com- uh, aren't being compliant uh, uh, as such. I just don't think that people, all of us are being, you know, as worried or as as serious 
are as concerned uh, this time round with regards to level five now and the complete lockdown last time. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850 We've got more calls in the way, particularly with regards to, you know, the kids are back. Move back in home with Mammy and Daddy. Should they be paying rent? The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. I was telling you the story yesterday from the Australian Daily Mail where parents are talking uh, over in Australia about Generation Boomerang, that their children are back home. Some of them are in their 20s, others in their 30s, and some even older. And they're back home with Mam and Dad, and they are expected to pay rent back in the family home. Parents whose adult children still live at home uh, revealing whether they charge their kid rents or not, um, or kids rent or not and how much they're expected to pay for their bed and board. Teresa is going to work at 10 o'clock so I'm obliged to for squeezing me in. Teresa, good morning. I go to the doctor, not work. Oh, good. Okay, well, it's nice to be going to the doctor. Uh, good morning, Neil, anyway. How are you? I'm good, girl. I'm good. And I hope everything goes well for you and the doctor this morning. But yeah. what do you, what okay. do you, what do you think? Is it right? Is it cruel or is well, it I fair? I was talking to Seamus there, no, yesterday. But I mean, if they're moving back home and if they have a job, I think they should pay. I mean, they're getting their food. They're getting their washing done. You know, they, there's electricity to be paid and everything. Do you know? <sighs> That's assuming they I mean, are working. Let's let's just say they're not working, or they're on a kind of a pandemic payment, a reduced amount of money, or they are working and trying to save for a house. Should they then pay up at home? But they give something anyway towards it. Do you know what I mean? There's huh? people in there's people in flats, and they're trying to save for houses, and they have to pay their way. Okay, you know so br- I mean? so break it down for me. Do, should they should be paying something for the rent. Should they be buying their own food? Should they be paying a proportion of the bills to heat and heat the rooms and light the uh, light the rooms? Should they be paying energy costs? All that kind of thing. Something should go towards this anyway. I think. And did you, you did you rear a family? I did. Okay, I reared a son. Okay. And uh, you I don't. I to know from our value, you know that. I know, of course, I do, but I didn't know whether yeah. you had a son or not. But did he oh, contribute? Yeah. Did he contribute to the the family finance? Do you mind me asking? Oh, of course he did. He was working. Yeah, not, not a bother. He always hands me up money. Yeah. So how much should they be? How much? Like a lot of texts on it. Lillian said, um, "I paid a hundred Irish pounds every month for, th- uh, and that was thirty-five years ago. If there was five weeks in the month, I paid more." My motto: As soon as they get a real job, they should pay real money. Um, not exactly. if they're going to college, though. She says, but if they're working, they should pay up. Yeah, exactly. That's that's right. I'd say as well. If they're working, they should end up something. You know what I mean? It gives it's, a t- it's teaching them a lesson. Then when they go out, they know they have to pay bills and pay food and whatever. What about a kid with a part time job? Um, Say they're I making seventy, eighty euro, a hundred euro a week in a part time job. Even twenty euro, it's teaching them a lesson as well. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so it's a life lesson then. Exactly. I mean, they know, like, it, you know, it's kind of making them, um, how shall I say, prepare them for life, you know? So if they have a 350 euro COVID payment, how much should they be handing up at home? If they get 350, I'd say 50. 50? They'd, they'd, they'd still have 300 for their cents. I mean, you, you, do you understand what I mean? I do, because that 50 then would be enough to, to feed them. 
Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, okay. Well, that's probably a good deal, I suppose. I mean, if they yeah. buy their if they buy their own food for seven days and nights, it'd be a lot more than fifty, wouldn't it? Well, if they were living at home, I'm saying to give up fifty. No, I know that. Yeah, I'm talk- that's what we are talking about. When your child yes. goes into full time employment, they should divvy up part of their wage. Oh yes, exactly. If they have full time employment, they should. Let me get through some I mean, texts. If they were out in a flat, they'd have to pay up. Do you know what I mean? No, it's just a worry that, like, I'm just, say, I'm just worried that maybe a son or a daughter had come back from, say, Dublin, as an example, and were working back in the family home, but they were desperately trying to save for a deposit for a house or something, you know? Right. Should they, I mean, they should still give something, do you know what I mean, towards their food, like, and their rent and everything. Okay, let me get some texts on this. I'll let you get on. All the best to Teresa's okay, always. Okay, bye. Bye. bye, bye. Claire bye. says, Thank of you. course bye. they should be, they should, of course they should. It prepares you for the real world. Paying rent, paying bills. It's respect as well. Absolutely, says Helen, teaches you how to pay and the fact that bills actually exist. Terry says, yes, of course they should. We had to pay our way back in the 80s and early 90s before I left home. Half my wages were given up. It's only right and it not only helps your parents pay the bills but also yourself in later years. It's a life lesson, many are saying. Lars says, absolutely. Why wouldn't they if they're working? Why should the parents have to keep them? I think they need to learn the cost of living and let's face it, the cost of living at home is cheap. Uh, Kleena says, I think if they're working, they should make some contribution after all the bills have to be paid. I used to give my mum money for, from my college grant and a part-time job. Actually, she never wanted to take it, but at the time, we were broke. So it was only fair that I would contribute. My mum is my carer, so I give her half my disability for bills and food. Uh, I couldn't give her any less than that. I believe 50-50 is fair. Angela says, as long as they're saving and still in education, I'd be lenient enough. But if you're a proper adult in a proper working full-time job, then of course you should be paying rent. Um, Leanne says 100%. I started a weekend job at the age of 14. I got 70 euro and I handed up 20. When I started full-time work, I handed up 100 euro a week. It's only fair. My parents were out at work themselves. Why should the parents be out working to carry on providing bed and board free of charge for another adult in the house with their own income? Each to their own in the end, but I know it prepared me well for paying bills and prepared me for the fact that not all my wages would be disposable income. I have to go home now and have a good think about this, actually. There could be a few bob to be made in my household. I wonder how that would go down. My children, because everybody's back now working out of the house. My children always paid me. They had great jobs with great wages. It would cost them more to live out on their own. Remember, they have hot water, hot meals seven days a week. All their washing is done from. Their internet is paid for. Their TV. All the washing and ironing is done magically. Their heating and electric. Never had any problems with my children giving me a wage. Um, never had a problem with my children giving me a wage. We did it in our times when we lived at home with our parents. And it's right that the current generation should do so as well. Back after 10. Okay, yesterday we were talking about supporting Irish and, uh, you know, shopinireland.ie is a website that kicks off here in Cork on, on Monday. Just while you're talking about shopping local, we'd love a shout out for giftboxireland.ie. We're an online gift box company based here in Glanmire. We make it easy for people to send a gift to their loved ones. We're also on the uh, Shop in 
Ireland Facebook page and they're fantastic. So here's a Glanmire company using a Castle Martin company to promote their products. I think that's brilliant. Uh, anyway, the talent in Irish people is amazing. Just to clarify, we started our business during lockdown as well and launched it at the end of June. We are blown away by the support of everyone. The orders are growing every day and we're getting ready to launch our two types of Christmas gift boxes. Absolute, absolutely amazing. All the Irish products in one place. Well done, guys. Uh, please give a shout out to Stan Knott of Stan Knott Creations. Stan produces his very own uniquely Cork Christmas cards every year. Give him a look up. Well, I think that's a great idea because uh, Cork Christmas cards that are being sent in Cork should be made in Cork. Not like the ones in the post office that I saw. Happy Christmas from Cork. And they're printed uh, in the UK. That makes no sense. The Shop in Ireland page is amazing. I bought several things on it. It is great. Everybody, support Irish. Uh, great to hear you supporting local businesses. Myself and my brother have just set up a new online Christmas store. If you eventually give out the details of new online shops, it would be great if you gave us a shout out. It's called Santa's, sorry, SantaXmasGrotto.com SantaXmasGrotto.com Listening to Risa from Shop in Ireland, I want to say well done to her for what she has done for us smaller businesses. I started up a new business during the first lockdown called Craftorama. We sell wax melts, um, handmade mirrors, things like that. We're on Facebook and Instagram. If you give us a shout out, we'd be amazed. It would be great. I'd love to send you a gift set if that would be okay. Uh, we will avail, uh, we will be available in the new shop, in the new shop in Ireland website from next week as well. Um, you're oh, like, uh, thank you. I, I mean, I won't take a gift myself, but listen, I wish you all of the best of luck in the world. If you do want to send something, uh, why don't we just give something away on your behalf? Uh, to a, a loyal listener. Uh, my neighbour makes shampoo bars. Uh, shampoo bars, they're plastic free and environmentally friendly. They normally sell in the markets, but not during COVID. Give her a plug on the air. It's the soapboxproject.com. Fair play to the guy on helping smaller businesses. Uh, the Waterloo Inn and Blarney sold out on Sunday. Wow. There's another uh, business that was absolutely rammed for takeout Sunday lunches. Good stuff. Uh, don't forget CorkCityShopping.com for shopping Cork online as well, Neil. Fair play to you. Uh, Red FM have been excellent at promoting small businesses. Criticism from your caller, Nathan, uh, is just harsh. If the guy was a regular listener, he would know how fair the station is and how Neil promotes Shop Local all of the time. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, and there are many, many more like that, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. And a lot then on Trump as well. Uh, let me just stay on, um, you know, that topic of conversation before 10. Your, your son or your daughter has moved back home, right? Because of COVID and they're back home and they're working from home and they're getting on with their lives and they've set up their offices or whatever they do in their old bedroom. Should they be paying a contribution to the home for food, rent, light, heat, and all of those kind of things? And if so, how much? Sally, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So what do you make of it? They're called Generation Boomerang. They're back home again. <laughs> yeah, sure. They've been, they've been away. They've come back. Yeah. They've been away. They've come back. And yeah, un- until they were qualified, when they were qualified and they were working full time, then they paid money. Obviously, when they were students, they didn't. But um, they both gave me 50 quid a week. Out of their, but when they out first started, their, so they wouldn't be making a huge amount of money when they started. No, out. N- uh, you know, a good amount. I mean, they're both qualified. My son is a nurse. Um, so he was earning okay money. Um, yeah, so he actually volunteered it to me. He said to me, when I start working full time, I'll give you 50 quid a week. So I just said, okay. So he, 
he, I don't mean to over, overly personalize this, but he's at home giving you 50 quid a week and how much is he getting for himself after tax? Oh, he would have been on oh, maybe 2,000. A month? A month, yeah. So 500 a week cash. No, fi- oh, 50, 50 quid he gave me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Didn't, he didn't kill himself, did he? Well, no, but I suppose it's better than nothing, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, I fondly call it my Chardonnay fund. Yeah. Your Chardonnay fund, I love it. <laughs> so my daughter's living at home as I well. I hope he so. wasn't a big eater, was he? Yeah, he was. He's a big guy, big rugby playing guy, so he was a big eater. <laughs> yeah, we should have taken... I you should have taken profit out of it, Neil. No, you didn't. You should have taken the wooden spoon to him. 50, 50 quid and a 500 euro a week wage. Uh, well, sure, look, you know, it was. It's, it's the thought and, I suppose, the sentiment of actually handing over the money and saying, you know... What about flowers? Flowers? Yeah. No! <laughs> Never bought me flowers. Do you know... <laughs> I, I know my well, he's son. He's from New Zealand now, but he he doesn't buy. He didn't buy them to me when he was living at home. Well, if like. he's listening to me in New Zealand, he should pick up the phone and send his mammy a bouquet of flowers. You know, <laughs> he, he does now again. Actually, fair he's, play to him. So, so the Chardonnay fund has dried up now, has it? Well, no. I have a girl at home, Holly. She's just uh, qualified as well, so she's working from home. <laughs> But she got me down to 40 quid, Neil. Yeah, she's cute as. I love it. So when I go out to the shop, I have a list as long as my arm. <laughs> she gives you a shopping list, does she? Oh, Jesus, absolutely. She's going to go far in life, believe me. Oh, I tell you, I right. tell you, she got me down. Take care of yourself. Stay on the phone there, okay. Sally. I want to send you a couple of Oak Fire pizza vouchers for oh. some some piping hot pizza for yourself and your daughter, all right? Okay, thank you, Neil. Thank You're welcome. You. Have a good day. Bye. Ian Bye. says, at the time, I thought it was very unfair, but as I entered the real world and realized the cost of living, I had a different view, and now I would say, absolutely, kids should contribute. And, you know, when I say kids now, you could be talking about 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Uh, Susan says, definitely contribute to the house. Once you start earning, it's the right thing to do, helping your parents pay bills and food shopping. Um, no, but nobody is picking up on the fact that some some don't pay or contribute to anything, but they have the postman or woman beaten a path to the door every day with online shopping, but not contributing anything at home. Uh, Nicole says, morning, Neil. I used to hand up 50 euro a week and 70 euro if I worked extra. My washing, my dinner, bills, everything was paid. My pajamas were ready on the bed. Um, the bed clothes were changed. The bath was ready for me. A warm dinner in the oven every evening. A cup of tea made for me. Oh, how I wish I'd go back to the 50 euro. It was the best 50 euro you'd ever spend. That's a fantastic text, uh, Nicole. Come back to me with an address, will you? Because I just love that. That's such a descriptive text. I'm going to send you out a, a voucher for an Oak Fire Pizza Girl all day long. So come back to me on that one. Meanwhile, Helen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, without giving away any too many state secrets, uh, your your lad has he come back for for COVID or is he always with you? No, he's always with me. Fair he's, play. he's working away. Anyway, go ahead. What's on your mind? Well, he's working away, and I just want to praise him. He's a great boy. He pays me one hundred and fifty a week. No questions asked. It was a hundred, and he upped it himself. That's it. He was getting good treatment at home. Because as, as as the fella says, he's getting a warm dinner, he's getting his washing, he's getting his uh, clothes cleaned and ironed. Um, uh, it's always warm in the house. Fire's probably lighting, cup of tea whenever he needs it. Why wouldn't he be paying? He's happy at home and he's staying. I don't want him to go at the three-bed house. So 
no point in me being here on my own. You would be happy if he never left. Oh, I would. I would. I don't want him to leave. I know. I'm. <laughs> I'm the same, actually. But should they have to go at some stage? You know, at some stage no. they have to strike out. Well, at the moment there's no sign of it anyway. So. And you're happy with that? Oh, I am. I am. Six, I am. Six six hundred a month. Hundred a month, no questions asked. And he's very good to me. If I, I actually saw something in a magazine the other day, and I said, "Oh, that's gorgeous!" And it arrived in the post the other day. Ah, my God, that's lovely. He bought it for you. He bought it for me. Isn't he the loveliest uh, son? You've you reared a beautiful son. Well, I had three. I lost one, and oh. teacher in Newbridge College. I have a teacher in Newbridge College. He's home every now and then, not for the last few months, of course. But I know, I know. And the lad that's home with you, the six hundred euro a monther, does he cook at all? He'd check up for himself if uh, I'm not about or if I'm out or he'd have, like if I'm out on a wet day or a rainy day, he'd have the fire down when I come home and the place could be, I could be gone for a week and the place would be the same when I come back. He's not real, I think. He's a robot. Sounds way too good. (laughs) (laughs) A great young fella. I love it. I love it. Lovely stuff. Thanks. That's a very cosy arrangement. I love it. Thanks, Helen. Have a good day today. Christy, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my man. Now, the late Jerry Ryan, God rest his soul. Tell me that story. Well, Neil, I suppose the best compliment I can give you is you're the only two people I ever listen to, and that includes the wife. Thank you so much, Christy. That's kind of you. Appreciate I that. I absolutely loved him. He was a maverick. I actually don't even... I haven't used Swiss on RT2 since, so I'm still in mourning. But it was pre... It's about the 80s, Neil, I'd say, when people came back from England and America. No, it wasn't, the subject wasn't how much they were paying. The subject was, did you want them in the house or did, did you or didn't you want them in the house? Yeah, I, I mean, we had a couple of, we had a couple of um, recessions in the 80s, but by the time Jerry Ryan got onto daytime radio, it was the back end of the 80s, so it was the second one you're referring to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something around look, I suppose we won't argue that because... No, I think it would have been, it would have been 88, 89, 90 kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, but th- this lady came on in anyway, and she said she had a son and a daughter home, and they were very content in the house, but she wasn't too content with them being in the house. What was her problem, so she, do you remember? She sat them down, she just said that there was, well, I, I, well I'll come to the story, Neil, and you'll know what the problem was. Um, basically, she sat them down, she said, look, you know how much we love you? Your father and myself are so mad about you. We, I have one problem is I can't make love to your father on a Friday night in front of the fire. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think there was a scatter for two two or three bags and they bolted for the door. (laughs) Oh my God, they got fooled by the bluff. Well, sure, whatever needs was, well, it was, I'd like to get to brag about that as well, but unfortunately, my memory doesn't go back that fast. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a bit of space in front of the fire on a Friday night kind of thing? <laughs> well, I, I think, it, I think actually, I think the horrific scenario was that the mother and father actually made love and that they were doing it in, in the, open, out in the open in the 30 years ago. I think it was unheard of, you know? Outdoor, is it? No, no, but in front of the fire, <laughs> that wasn't kept in the bedroom, I'm saying. 
Well, they were adventurous, I suppose. Why doesn't that surprise me that that's what Jerry Ryan was talking about in the 80s? <laughs> well, Neil, to be honest with you, it doesn't surprise me what you talk about either. So with all due respect, you can lick tongues on that one. But, uh, but, but I, 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 all I'm saying is that it took me back to a day that, you know, I suppose if you, if you keep it trousers long enough to come back into fashion. So what you talk about now, <laughs> Jerry true, Ryan was talking about true, 30 years ago. Fashion comes around in circles. Can I just let you go, and I won't keep you much on this now, but as an ex-guard yourself... You're aware of those two Rathkeel characters down west that got two years jail. Are you across that story? Neil, I'll be honest with you. It is a fantastic result. Yeah, but is it in, is it long? Sean O'Donovan did send them to jail, but with good behaviour and remission. Somebody's suggesting they'll be out in just over a year. Is the sentence long enough for something like that? Well, Neil, to be honest with you, the sentence is never long enough for, for, for the, the trail of destruction these people leave behind them because we had to deal on several occasions, you can imagine, with the aftermath of these traumas, right? And I suppose it was a different era where I suppose I lived locally and you visited them and all that because I lived in the Midlands and it was rife in the Midlands, Neil. And I would be, look, I worked in the housing states in Limerick, as you know, yeah. and, and put this way to you, I knew what was going on uh, 100% what they're up to but I was there to improve the quality of life of people that were there but it's but the 72 year old woman who is now it's his wife yeah but she's 72 years old she has moved into I don't know whether it has a consequence of the crime or she was planning anyway she's moved into residential settings now and has left her family home but the, the consequences of this crime to her would be ongoing you know but you see Neil my mother Lord, I'm from Union Hall out the road and she's from Goleen, this elderly lady. Yeah, and 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 the incident happens to me, so I could well relate. You know, to solve a crime, you've got to think like a criminal. So, I mean, I, the way I was thinking about it is, I certainly wouldn't like to see my mother being treated in that way. And I'll be honest with you, they would have been very lucky to escape for two years or their life if it was my mother. And tell me so, this, I mean, how do you think the guards would feel about a two-year sentence? Would they be happy with that? You see, Neil, we discussed this before, but the one thing about me, Neil is that I don't have an opinion on sentencing because I would feel I'd get sour or bitter and I wouldn't do the job the way it should be done. Yes. So if you prepare, if you do the, if you do the groundwork, the, the heavy lifting, if you present it to the court and they're convicted, the sentence, of course, is very important. That's where the sentence is important. But if, if they're going to suspend the sentence, that shouldn't deter me from doing the job the same way the next time round. So that, that was left to the judge. And to be honest with you, judge vary, judges vary so much. Uh, on a personal note, uh, the only thing I would say, Neil, is the, the stuff, the equipment that was there, that would have been checked out. So that would not have been stolen. That's the I, I can't say there. anything about that. Some people are speculating as to where did it come from, where will well, it go. Neil, but to be honest with you, the guards would have serial numbers and different things. So that would have been dealt with a different scenario if the stuff, the stuff was found to be stolen. The so, guards would have addressed yeah. that, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so to, okay. the, to, to delay that fears. But I, I, I honestly, all I'm saying to you is, look, maybe, look, I hope that woman is happy where she is now. And, you know, I hope she can move on with her life. And the bottom line is that I suppose she will derive some satisfaction. The people do derive some satisfaction uh, that they got two years. And also, it, it sends out a message that people should come forward if they if they experience these things. Because believe you me, in my time in the guards, uh, people didn't come forward. Mm. And you'd hear a rumor and you'd go out to the house maybe. Mm. You know? Mm. So, like, the bottom line is that if this, if this comes out, in a, in a very positive way, because believe you me, if somebody is rambling around Skibreen, a woman, right? Uh, 
it isn't the first time that that these people encountered somebody in a, in a vulnerable scenario. Well, they prey on the vulnerable, you see. I mean, what in the name yeah, of God does a 72-year-old woman want with a front room full of power tools? Right to be, Christy, as always. Thanks for taking the call. Have a good day. Thank you. Evelyn, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You're, you're, in your younger years, you were an echo girl, is it? I certainly was. Where was your pitch? Um, the North Side Cathedral Road. Oh, a good spot then. Michael Long. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I remember Michael. Yeah. So w- that was right on Cathedral Road. Were you at the crossroads or where were you? No, I was actually delivering to houses. Oh, you had a delivery. Okay. Was there good yeah. money in that? In the younger years, maybe there was. Look, I was in primary school at the time. Um, so I was getting £15, I think, a week. Um, but yeah, I'd give my mum, I think, £5 and I'd dress myself Christmas, Easter, anything I needed. I'd buy myself. She never had to buy me anything. Wow. So, when was this? Because I don't know what value 15 euro was. Like, where, yeah. pounds, pounds, pounds. Pounds, I mean. yeah. pounds, yeah. Um, God, 80s. In the 80s? In the 80s and the early 90s. You must have been very frugal if you could get all your own clothes and everything and anything you needed for I a tenner. Yeah, I'd put them away every week and I'd pay them off. In La Bella now and in Cummins is in... I pay them all off myself. And did that stand to you then with regards to oh, you know, money management later? In my own house, definitely, yeah. So really, yeah. it's it's something that all parents should be doing. Should do, yeah. It's a life skill you need For to a, teach them. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Yeah. It's a life skill. Otherwise, they'll be out there and they'll just they'll be drowning they'll in have confusion. No they, they won't pay anything. They'll be expecting you to do everything for them. So you need to teach them how to do it. So if you give them the responsibility of contribution, mm-hmm. understanding what life is like with regards to bills and commitments and finances, otherwise yeah. they, they'll they panic in life. They'll panic. They won't know how to do it, no. Oh, okay, good point. All right, so as, a, as an echo girl that delivered door to door, you didn't have to mm-hmm. shout, echo, even echo. No, I didn't, no, thank God. Why no. not? I'd say you've been good at that. No, no, no. <laughs> No point asking you then, is there? No, no. All right. Look after yourself. Thanks, Evelyn. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Big delays this morning at the end of uh, Balancholic Bypass by EMC. See, there's an awful lot of traffic around, really and truly, in spite of, uh, you know, the restrictions that people are under. The traffic is as bad as I've ever seen it. Um, Anyway, election traffic and the U.S. election continues to ramble on. Trump will be President Neil by hook or by crook. Wait, watch and see. This would be the worst election in the history of America. I pray I'm wrong but I see almost a war in America to come. There'll be trouble down in the southern states. Whether it continues to every state will depend on if Trump supporters will be, one, told by Trump to stop. Two, will they listen to Trump to stop? He's responsible for the hatred in every state in America. It's not the United States of America. It's anything but. Uh, Trump can't win by an honest election. Remember how Bush the second got in. Yeah, they, they call it the divided states of America at the moment. Let's not spread the blame around too much. The violence on the streets of American cities is not being carried out by Trump supporters. It's being promoted and funded by the Democrats and the Hollywood elite. As regards to the border wall that you asked about, huge swathes have been built. The wall is being built and it continues to be built. As for who pays it, uh, well, that's another story entirely. Why haven't you mentioned the Hunter Biden laptop 
and the Biden family corruption scandal. Uh, well, I've mentioned it now because of your text. Listening to yourself and the Gabby Cabby from yesterday, he's talking about the mess over there in the USA. I was listening to you both as I was driving in the Carragherhan Strait. Beautiful weather, loads of people out walking. It's great. As bad as things are, we still live here in a great country, a great county and a great city. Kirkigaboo, says Adrian from Farron. Uh, there are U.S. citizens stocking up on ammo, Neil, because if the Democrats win, they will try and confiscate all weapons. Then you will see major civil unrest. Hope that answers your query, says Finbar. Um, come on, Neil. Biden can barely tie his own shoelaces. Between his health and his corrupt family, there's no way he'll survive four years if he wins. And that is a big if. It's Trump 2020 for me. One final one. You asked those Americans on the air what the cause of all the conflict in the USA is at the moment, but neither would comment. The reason is the thug Trump. He's the one inciting violence after the election and no better man to enjoy those outbreaks. He's an evil excuse of a man. I mean, that's very ironic in what you're saying there because already you find Donald Trump saying that there's fraud and that the election must stop and the counting of votes must stop. Some may say it's a scratched record and we should have expected that kind of narrative. But here it is, nonetheless. Um, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. But I don't want to keep Lucinda too long because she's been waiting quite some time and it's important. So I'll come back to all other calls and texts. Lucinda, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, you had a hospital appointment this morning. Is that right? I did indeed, yes. Okay. And would you like to share the story with us? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, the usual thing, you know, go as um, at hospital for an outpatient appointment. And obviously they need to do their security check, so obviously confirming my details. Um, but I took a little bit of offence because obviously I confirmed my name, my address, um, phone number. Pardon me now, I know, we're not na- well, I know we're not naming the hospital, the lads have said that to you and they, and they know the, the best reason yeah. why, but did yeah. you have to so- fill in something, is it? No, I, I had to answer these questions verbally. Okay. So I, I was being asked, can you confirm your name? So I did so an address. And then I was asked, and your religion, Protestant? And I replied, does that matter? And she said, no religion then. I said, no, it, it's God. But why, why, why is that a question? Why does it matter? Um, and I was very pushed into having to give an answer. I just felt quite intimidated. So, and it's, and it's assumed, you know, religion, Protestant. Um, and it's said in sort of quite a patronising manner. And when I said, why does it matter um, to then be told no religion? In, and I replied, well, it's God, but why would it matter? Um, why is what religion you have, A, anybody else's business, and C, and B, I should say, relevant to your health care? Exactly. And... She said, name, address, mobile number, religion. And why did she suggest Protestant? Well, she also said, yeah, she also said religion, Protestant. And then I just replied, why is that relevant? Why does it matter? She, no, I mean, she's suggesting you're Protestant no, no because religion. of... She's suggesting you're Protestant because of your accent, is it? I have no idea. Um, put it this way, I've spent more time justifying myself being there as in answering questions... Uh, that weren't relevant to my actual appointment itself, the actual time I was in with the um, consultant. You spent more time being quizzed than you did with the consultant? Yes, yes. How did it end up in the end, anyway? Uh, well, it's just sort of like, uh, right, off you go. Uh, it, you know, it's quite, 
there wasn't. It was just sort of like um, I was being spoken at. Um, you know, but yeah, I was sort of like, that's how I felt. It's almost like I felt I was being, I felt like a young child being addressed by a teacher. Um, it's very patronising. Patronising is, is the word. And it's, not, and it's not the first time, Neil. This happened to me uh, back in probably about 2005. Um, and I dismissed it then and it happened to me twice. But it hasn't happened in, again, same searchness. And it hasn't happened in years. And I thought, oh, great, it's a question they've now skipped. Um, but no, it raised its ugly head again today. So, and it's not a question it should be asked. And is, can I ask you, is this city or rural, this hospital? Uh, rural. And is it, is it, is it, a, like, is it, is it run by nuns or something? You would think so, wouldn't you? Well, is it? I don't know. Like, did they ask you, did she ask you, married, single? I was asked if divorce. I was married, yes. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> um, and obviously my partner's phone number. Well, I understand that in the case of an yeah. anaesthetic going wrong exactly, or something. Exactly, exactly. Um, but this is an outpatient, uh, but, but also, to make it even worse, um, is I phoned the hospital in question to say, you, you know, and I phoned the, the main phone number and said, good morning, um, like to, uh, unfortunately, making complaint, which I, I don't like to complain, to be honest, but I like to see the positives rather than the negatives. And, uh, but I thought it should be addressed. And uh, so I phoned the main reception and said, can I speak to somebody about a complaint, please? Um, about, uh, you know, something that happened this morning. And then I've been quizzed by the receptionist again. And I was like, um, no, I, you know, she said, what happened? I was like, no, I need to speak to somebody. Excuse me, I shouldn't be coughing now, should I? Well, it's fine, it's down the phone. What's wrong with that? It's worse now, doesn't it, Neil? (laughs) Um, But, you know, I, again, I've been quizzed again. And I was like, I said, can I just speak to whoever's relevant, please? Rather than ah, but I accept that the woman on the phone needs to get an idea as to what your issue no, was, I, you know? I, no, I made it quite clear. I, I, you know, I, I sort of a bit etchy. Like I said, look, I'd like to speak to somebody about an issue I had this morning when, when checking in, as it were. And she said, okay, I'll put you through to administration. But then she just kept asking questions. And that's when I sort of addressed it. I said, no, I'd like to speak to the right person. And did you? Uh, no, I, oh, but I said, she told me to come back in. I said, no, no need to come back in person. Um, I would like a phone call. And then I got an answer machine service. And that's the end of that. I mean, um, somebody is suggesting here that it's optional to fill in the religion, but it's requested in the event of perhaps you needing a priest or the blessing of the sick that they would get the right religion into the hospital. In, like, let's say, for instance, if you needed last rites or something, I think you might need them there, yeah. do you? <laughs> I do now, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> do, but, I mean, I, I just, you know what, I, I end up thinking, what would I have done in a situation like that? I would not have told them. Um, and it, there could have been a, a standoff then. I mean, would they let you in if but you... that's kind of how it was. It but was I also wouldn't it, allow her, I also would not allow her to put down no God, no religion. Yeah, no, and it is—it was—it was intimidating. It's a bit—it's a bit old hat. Anyway, hold on there, Gen- Genevieve. Hi, how are you? Okay, what do you what do you think of this in this day and age that anybody would anybody would need to know your religion? <laughs> but but I, I think it's a very relevant point because oh, please you, tell you me know, why the then. Would you mind why? 
Well, because if you go into the hospital, I'm, for example, I'm a Baptist Christian, right? So if I go into the hospital and they ask me, what's your, fi- what's your faith, what's your religion? I prefer to co- the term faith. They're obviously going to, if God forbid anything goes wrong, excuse the term God forbid if it you know, offends anybody. Um, Why would it offend anybody? We need to get rid of it. Th- like if you want to say that, please say it. Thank you. So if, if, if um, for example, something goes wrong, I would want the pastor to come. So they're only asking the question in the event that your faith is important to you and you would want somebody to be called if something went wrong. So the hospital is only, you know, filling out an administrative duty. So if you had an ingrowing toenail, like, would that argument stack up? Atwood. Because, I mean, in fairness, all these things come down to bureaucracy. There was probably an empty field on the computer screen and it had to be filled. That was probably as simple as that. It's, you know the way if you go into the doctor and they don't have your... They, they always go in when you go into the hospital, they always up, check your most up-to-date details anyway. And then there was probably just an empty field there and they decided, oh, I better check that. You know, there might be assumption. Well, yes, but to be fair, there's, there's humanity involved in everything. And I, to an extent, you know, if you are English, and I don't know if you are, but, you know, your accent would indicate it. And most English people are Protestant. So, okay, she made an assumption, but it wasn't a terribly wrong thing to say. I think you know? it was. I think it was, Genevieve. I do too, now. I, I just um, do. Like... You know, especially when I said, does it matter? Um, to then be then told no God then no religion then to then have, she to, then said, have to argue she said that to you no God then yeah <laughs> so I just say God sorry no I correct myself I say God and she replied no religion then when I was like does it matter sorry when I said does it matter she said no religion then I said no it's just God does this matter you know and then she you know, I was having to just, I don't think I should have to, it's quite clear, I'm getting rattled, having to answer this question, why would it matter, um, to be then told, because, you know, my reply was, does it matter, to then be told, no religion then, that is offensive to me, because I do have a faith. But, it's personal to you. but I suppose the, the easiest thing to do in that circumstance is to answer the question. No, I'm not Protestant. Like, you know, most people, like for me, I suppose it's well, different it's, me, I'm you know. God. I just love God, whether it's through the Catholic faith, the Protestant faith. It doesn't matter. I pray to God. So why yeah, should I, I have and to I respect that, but I suppose... From that person's point of view, sitting in, in the hospital trying to do their job, all they're really trying to do is, is fill out a field on a computer. But then, ex- then explain right. why you're asking a question like that. You know, you, you explained it there now, but that, not, that was not the way she was addressed. It was barked at her almost. I, I agree, and it was very confrontational, but everybody has a different manner, and some people are more suited to dealing with the public than others. And, you know, I've had bad experiences myself going into the hospitals, and you kind of go, good grief, like, you know, that person's having a bad day, you yeah, know? know. But at the end of the day, nobody, you know, and it is, you know, to, you know, I know it's hurtful, and, you know, when these things happen, you will kind of go, gosh, why did that have to happen to me today? It's after upsetting my whole day. But, you know, I suppose, to be fair, some people, you know, the question would have been a straightforward answer, oh, I'm about to it wasn't straightforward. It changed when she said she asked you a question. Religion, Protestant. So that's when it changed when she made the assumption. Now, I understand but I all of that, but she I, probably felt that maybe you got confrontational, and maybe you could have just said, "Oh no, no I, I didn't. I, I'm, I started oh. off confrontational by saying it. You know, I yeah, I was answering the questions. 
You see, I don't no, see the no, relevance no, of it. No, I mean, I'm trying to find yeah, out the relevance of the, the question. Manner. It's the manner. But, could, it's the manner okay. it's said in could and it, also the assumptions that are made. Okay, well, well, we have a query into the HSE as to why that question is asked at all. But I'm just wondering, isn't it true that some religions, for instance, don't accept uh, blood transfusions, maybe? Like if yes, you were Jehovah's true. Witness. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I think it is a relevant question yeah. because yeah. I think you have to assume that to some people faith is important and to some people it's not. But so again, doesn't mean, do. but Ben, with the Jews, but it doesn't mean you're not going to accept it. So some people will have a faith where the faith might say you're not to have a blood transfusion, but they still do. So they're not going to not give a blood transfusion specified on faith. It's whether you say yes or no. Let's get some calls and texts and thoughts from people on this. I, I think a more relevant question isn't whether or not what religion you are, but perhaps they should be asking people, at the, are you allergic to anybody? That would be more... Yes, that would be yes, a more... Yes. But, but yeah. why, why, why do you feel the need to, to rule out the question on the religion? Because I think but, it's what, private and personal. It's none of her business what yeah. her religion is. That's all. But, but why, why not? I mean, some people, it, it's a part of their life and it isn't an issue. But how is it question. relevant? I want to know, how is it relevant to getting in for a medical procedure? Like, for instance... Because, because, why, because how, if something goes wrong, do you call a priest? Do you call the rabbi? Do you call the pastor? Do you call the vicar? Who do you call? Thank you. I did okay, an outpatient well. appointment and it took me longer answering the question to justify myself for being there, but did the actual consultation itself. So, okay, I'm understanding. The reason it exists is to call somebody, whether it's a priest or a pastor or a rabbi, whomever, in the event of somebody... Yes. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's embracing in some respects, if you want to put it in, in the correct but terminology. It's embracing a more liberal Ireland. Right, why are we I can't hear either of you now. I'm sorry, Neil. Um, I'm sorry, uh, caller. Um, but, you, you know, for example, you, you know, whatever faith doesn't mean... For example, if you're Catholic and, and, you, and you might not want the priest there still, it's an outpatient appointment. Well, they could hardly say to you, in the event of something going wrong, <laughs> what religion are you so we can call the priest or the vicar yeah. or the rabbi more time for the last rites? In reception and walking down the hallway and I did my consultation. So where would you draw the line on this? What, 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 what's your name? What's your address? What's your phone number? What's your age? Are you married? Are you divorced? Are you single? Are you gay? Are you straight? And what's your gay? religion? Yeah. Where, where does yeah. it end? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's your foot size? Was the GDPR involved in this? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get some more thoughts on it. Thank you both. Thank you, Genevieve. Thank you, Lucinda. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 Red FM. Lovely name. Kraith. Kraith. C-R-A-I-T-H. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. My parents never asked me for rent or wages in any shape or form. We were by no means well off, but they just didn't ask. Looking back now, they should have... Have, but that's just the way it was for us. They provided everything for us, dropped us here, dropped us there, 24-7. Once we were happy and healthy, that's all that mattered to them. The time will come at some stage to repay them. And I know when that day comes, my sisters and I will step up to the plate. Well, no time like the present. Demi is shocked, though, that no one else seems not to be paying rent or, or bills as in everybody is paying and contributing at home. She says, I was 26 last week and I lived at home up until I was 22. My mam has never asked any of us to hand up money or pay bills. And when we tried, she would end up buying us something for the same value we handed up to her. 
I have three brothers and a sister, and our mam and dad washed clothes, ironed them, paid the bills, made all five of us breakfast, lunch, dinner and tea. We have all been collected and dropped to school every day, work and college our whole lives. I'm not saying people shouldn't pay up or anything like that, but I'm not one bit spoiled or unappreciative. I appreciate my mum and dad more for it. They let me have whatever I earned during part-time work and college for myself to gain independence. I've worked since I was 16 and paid for everything myself since then and I help in other ways still to this day. I moved out of home when I was 22 and I've been paying my own way ever since. I've never asked for any help. I think it depends on the person. Not paying rent, bills helped me to save to move out. And if I had children in the morning... Uh, who worked full-time or part-time, I would do exactly the same thing. Excellent text there to 0868-104-106. So keep those coming. Uh, there's quite a big response to it, Leanne, and, and, and others like that, which I will come back to. We're also keeping an eye on... There's no change at all in the electoral colleges. Is moving that slowly. There are 270 votes needed to actually win the presidential race, and uh, it's just been stuck for the last hour or so. 224 uh, electoral college votes for Biden, 213 for Donald Trump. There are still millions and millions of votes to be counted, not cast, but counted. Uh, and many of the states are just too close to call. I do from time to time see on the screen projected wins, some of them for Trump, some of them for um, Biden, but it doesn't matter until they're over the line. I see one there come in from Maryland for Trump and the one before it was, sorry, Maryland should say for Biden and the one before that was for Trump. So 224, 213, you need 270 uh, to win. Um, text 0868-104-106, pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. On, on issues involving uh, dial a drink from Monday's program, from the carry-on at the weekend, somebody was saying there's a bar in the city where there was orders of 26 martinis going out at one go. That clearly is a house party. Um, it was like Oktoberfest on the cold case somebody else was suggesting at the weekend. All the talk of drinking, and I couldn't even buy candles on Saturday for my mam who lives on her own. She was worried about a power outage with the storm. Uh, the store told me that the guards told them to close that section off as they were non-essential. There was an orange alert on the news. How would candles in an orange alert be non-essential? I drove around the corner and the place was jammed with people drinking on the streets. There were adults as well and no guards to be seen. Well, I mean, that, that's just the confusion of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hypocrisy really when you have something like that. You couldn't buy candles, but you can buy drink. Uh, welcome to Ireland. It's been illegal to drink in public for years. So we closed the pubs and offer a takeaway service instead. What did the government think was going to happen? Of course people were going to drink on the streets. Then people want the guardie to break up house parties. And now people don't want them to enter their home, their houses. So the guardie are damned if they do, damned if they don't. And to a large extent, they can't. Uh, we have laws that make no sense. And the guardie are only trying to follow orders, says Anthony. Uh, the only reason alcohol is deemed essential and kids' clothes are not is that alcohol is highly taxed and some kid, kids' clothes remain vat-free. Um, alcohol sales will skyrocket during lockdown so the government can carry on saying they are brilliant because they have an income coming during the pandemic um, Thomas Gould on your program kept talking about youngsters not being able to stay in for six weeks well what about pensioners and one final one I'm a serving paramedic with the National Ambulance Service I have young kids who abide by lockdown restrictions and each day I go to work I'm scared I'm afraid of COVID and I have seen what COVID can do as a paramedic. 
when I see gangs of teenagers out every day and night, it so annoys me. I don't mind groups of two or three, but gangs of 20? They just need to cop on. Parents, please, please, please be responsible. Keep them in for six weeks. I don't want them in my ambulance going to hospital on their own because at 16 they are medically adult adults. So thank you for that and thank you for the work that you're doing as well. Lines open, 1-850-104-106. Calls, texts and a vox after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. With uh, regards to Leo Varadkar um, giving away confidential information to a, a buddy of his, Vincent Brown tweeted yesterday, the broadcaster, publisher and writer, he says, many years ago, a senior minister phoned me saying he had a document which he wanted leaked to me, but he couldn't be seen to be doing it. Uh, he sent it to me. I published the document. The same minister announced an inquiry into the leak. And you couldn't, you just could not make this off, this up. Uh, Bally go backwards stuff, isn't it? Uh, and that's Vincent Brown on Twitter from yesterday. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Now I will come back to this and lots more after eleven this morning. But seven leading artists have created vibrant murals to brighten up Cork spirits, Cork streets, and Cork's vacant walls that need a bit of TLC. And they are on Wandsworth Quay, the Kino, Anglesey Street, and Henry Street. John O'Donovan was in touch with us earlier in the week saying that the one on Anglesey Street is a monstrosity, an assault on the senses. Now, I cycled past it as it was being uh, painted. Um, I think the one on Anglesey Street was done by Aches. Is it Aches? 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 Uh, and I saw him up on a cherry picker doing it and I thought it was absolutely incredible. It's a giant mural of a car curler. It looks so vibrant and so fabulous. Some of the other ones um, I actually haven't seen in person, only photographs. Um, but we wondered what the people of Cork thought about this art, this street art initiative, which I think is funded uh, by Cork City Council. So with regards to the Anglesey Street one that John of Donovan has the hump over, Seamus Whelan went to the Anglesey Street site yesterday to get the views of those who were passing it. This is the Hurler mural uh, on Anglesey Street. It's enormous. You couldn't miss it. What did the people passing it think of it? I think any kind of art and that gives a bit of uh, colour to the, the atmosphere and the, 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 you know, the current climate and everything. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's lovely. It's fabulous. It's nice to see a bit of colour in the city, isn't it? Brighten it up. Like there was a graffiti park which is closed for the kids to go, so it's, it's not graffiti technically, it's art. But sure, so is most graffiti as well. Like, but you know, what do they say about art? Is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Just wondering whether it actually represented whether whether it was actually O'Neill's or whether it was meant to. Whether it's a bit of a triptych, you know, in that there's three players there, or what? So um, now, if I was to treat it as an artwork, I don't think I would. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't do anything for me personally. Just take it as commercial advertising on a different scale instead of being a poster on a, on a, a wall somewhere, you know. I think it's completely great, to be honest. Like, I, I've been, I, I'm, a, I'm a gate man there on the site, and I've been watching him painting it, you know, during the whole duration. And I think it's brilliant, to be honest. I really like it. Really, I really like that. I really like it. It, brighten, it brightens up the day, anyway. It's absolutely wonderful. I was speaking to him last week, and he's a gentleman. He's a fantastic artist from Dublin. It's amazing. It brightens up the city. It's it's beautiful. It's unique. Um, it took him all last week to do. It's just fantastic. It is very. It is really, really cool. It's really good. 
and I like the way it kind of represents gay pride as well within the sporting community as well that's what I'm kind of getting from it but other than that it's brilliant yeah very nice I like it there's one or two very nice ones around Cork I think that one there now and there's one over on the side of Paul Street car park I think they're a great addition to the city same as up in Derry therefore they did them up in the walls maybe not in the same political vein but I think they're very well done fantastic brilliant I think that's a great lift to people in Cork right everyone goes across the road and have a look at it do you know what I mean it's actually fantastic oh yeah it's lovely yeah 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 very bright. <laughs> yeah, brightens up the place yeah. on a dull day. It's, it's good. It's like, I like the multicolours and I like the, the sports and ship in Cork. Oh, it's art. Art is art. It's the eye of the beholder. I mean, if he has an opinion, it is, but it's for everyone to enjoy, not just one person. Well, I kind of think it represents all the counties in one. Like, it's just, you know, we're all together. That's pretty much what, a, what the idea we get. You know, you get all the counties there. Um... You know, you get the cork, you get the Tipperary, you got the Kilkenny, you got the all, all the colours. So we're all of it. We're all in this together at the end of the day. You know, so I think it's beautiful. It gives Cork a bit of a character of it. I'd say all the other counties are shame. You know, they're in a bit of jealous. You know, because uh, they'd like to have one as well. But I think it's lovely. It looks beautiful. Compliments. You know, Cork a lot. Look up, guys. They're all over the city. That was from Anglesey Street yesterday. Seamus Whelan was down. He spoke to a dozen people because I counted them. Eleven of the twelve absolutely love it. And in pure Cork spirit, some fellow says, it gives a great lift to the city. So eleven love it. One lady, the jury's out. um, Not quite sure what it is and doesn't particularly seem to like it. But the rest, eleven overwhelmingly in support of that one anyway. There are others. Cork's Red FM. Ireland's Emerald Award-winning music station of the year. This weekend, the Cork Film Festival uh, gets underway. Yes, indeed. It's another one that continues uh, and needs to adapt. So the 65th International Cork Film Festival will happen online. uh, And you can view the screenings of your choice, even though you can't go to the movie theatres. You can do it from your own homes. You can download the app, CIFF 2020. That's the app. Or you can log on, corkfilmfest.org. We're media sponsors and we're giving away film digital passes every day, giving you complimentary access to 10 festival screenings of your choice. And there's lots to choose from and you can see the whole list of screenings at corkfilmfest.org or indeed uh, on their app, CIFF 2020. So today, another movie with this time uh, one word beeped out. So we need the beeped out word the two actors involved, and indeed the movies. So don't uh, don't call just yet. I'll, I'll open the phone lines around about uh, 10 minutes to midday. Have a listen. You know what they call uh, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, and pear? They call it... Uh, what do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. All right, fairly straightforward. If you know your movies, that's one of the all-time greats. So we'll open the phone lines just before midday uh, and get callers in and uh, prizes won. So that's just before 12 today. For all of the business, text 0868104106. With regards to being asked one's uh, religion, um, I will come back to those texts and, and calls. Hopefully we get some more on the air, um, if not now, certainly in the morning. There was a text there from uh, a nurse, which explains a lot of it. Morning, I'm a nurse, and while it is absolutely wrong to assume um, we need to know religion in case someone becomes suddenly unwell and may need to be anointed 
or if, for instance, if they were a Jehovah's Witness, for example, that they can't get a blood transfusion. So thank you to that nurse. And and that's fine. Uh, you know, you're explaining it to me. But the manner in which it was asked is just not good enough. You know, there are ways that you can ask for information. You know, you have to give some kind of an explanation when you ask for something like religion. You know, you, you don't. And I think it was rather condescending the manner in which she was asked. Anyway, that, that, that's the impression I got. If it doesn't matter to her what her religion is, why was it so hard to answer the question? That person asking them has a job to do. Yes, there is a job to be done, but there's a manner in which the job is to be done too, you know? Like everybody's a customer now. Everybody's a client and everybody needs to be treated with respect. Some treatment centers ask for your religion and people are unhappy with that too. Uh, it's one of the first things you're asked on admission. Is that right? You go into a treatment center, uh, say for maybe um, addiction issues, and they ask you your religion. Um, it's optional to fill in religion, but it's requested in the event of perhaps needing a priest kneel or blessings of the sick or whatever religious rituals that people may have. And a final one for now. Religion is relevant to health care insofar as certain denominations Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, don't allow certain procedures like blood transfusions or amputations as they believe the body must remain whole as it was, that you have to have a whole body untouched or untainted in order to enter heaven. The same goes for Rastafarians, hence why Bob Marley died unnecessarily. He would have survived had he been given his, had he, had he, had he given his consent to have his toe amputated after a soccer injury. Well, I'll be darned. I never knew that. I mean, every day you get up out of bed in the morning, you learn something new. So thank you for those texts. We'll come back to more of them. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Yeah, I'm just waiting on a line here. Joe, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Joe. Hey, good morning, Neil. Have you been up all night, my friend? I've been up most of the night, yeah, watching what's been a pretty... Um Turbulent night, pretty um, a night of uh, a lot of drama, a lot of vo- uh, volatility. I, I would imagine, and um, a night where it's been kind of ebbing and flowing. Really. Initially, I suppose heading into the night, the, the consensus was that Joe Biden was a strong favourite, and um, you know was going to was going to win, and maybe win convincingly. But uh, right through the course of the, the the night, maybe from midnight onwards, there was a sudden sense that Donald Trump had done really well. And uh, he reassumed the favorite favorite's mantle. Um, what right time was that? What time did you get that impression? Well, I've been following one of the best guides is the Betfair Exchange Market, where you can actually see how much money has been traded. And there's about forty eight billion on this market traded on Betfair. And Biden would have started the night uh, as an odds-on favorite, maybe two to one on, with Trump at two to one against. But by by midnight to maybe one o'clock in the morning, Trump had now gone three to one on favorite, and um, with uh, Biden going in the other direction. So you're following the bookies, right? Okay. Well, it, well, this is an exchange where you can actually you, you can be the the, the the exchanges where you can be the bookie. You can lay one guy or you can back one guy. Your money, where money really talks. Um, and that that market has been ongoing for the last year, um, and it's, it's been a huge. It's been one of the biggest markets that Betfair have ever had. But how does it look now? I mean, because for me, simpleton here, two twenty four for Biden, two hundred and thirteen for Trump. Like, what's that saying? Well, first two seventy. Using the betting exchange as as a template, all of a sudden Biden is back favourite, and we assume favouritism, and it. 
and and that that tide has kind of has been turning in Biden's favour since early morning, since about seven o'clock. Uh, it's moved back in his direction. Now it's very marginal and still very tight, but um, it just looks as if Biden is, is with the postal votes coming in late. Uh, it would appear that's where he is is going to be strongest because a lot of these postal votes were done a while ago, whereas the momentum shift towards Trump may have come too late. Um, you know, the, Trump, the last week of campaigning saw Trump maybe re-energized and um, a lot of the people who voted maybe early had been going the way of uh, Joe Biden. And they're the votes that tend to be, are being counted now as, as we speak. And, and So the lead that he has will not be chased down by Trump, you're saying, and that Biden's the next president of America and Trump becomes the first president to be not re-elected, is it? Since George Bush back Since Bush, in, sorry, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, George Bush Sr. Uh, in, in, in that election with um, Bill Clinton. So um, it, it would appear that um, the momentum is back now with, with Biden. But if there's such a thing as a moral victory, and I, I know D- uh, Donald Trump wouldn't be one for moral victories, um, he has had kind of a moral victory because, you know, you know watching in for, for the last few weeks, there was a consensus that there was going to be a huge... Uh, blue tide um, that the Democrats were going to have a, a massive win and it hasn't happened. So America's left as a very divided country because if Biden is to win, it's going to be by the narrowest of margins. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I just... Um, it, le- it leaves a lot of questions to be answered. Um, essentially, people people didn't vote for Biden, they voted against Trump, you know. This. But did, didn't, I hear, didn't I hear earlier this morning that... Uh, Donald Trump got more votes from the American American public in this election than he did in 2016. He did, and and um, it would appear that he's he's come very he's come very very close, but he may just come up short. But make, making making predictions in this in this particular election can can make one look very silly. But um, but you're predicting a Biden win. At this stage, just going in, in, in the momentum shift in the last, since maybe 7 o'clock this morning, the momentum appears to be coming back in his favour. Okay, okay, well, that's that's as good as I can get out of this. It's very, very tight. Okay, Con. Yes, yes. Have, have you been up all night? Well, I've been up and down. I've been, uh, I said, I went to bed at 12, I got up at 2, half 2, sat until 5 o'clock, went to bed again for an hour. Why are you? Why are you and so many Irish people interested in this at all? Because it will lay speak time to Ireland and the whole world. Because if Biden wins, there's a big shift to the left. Socialist. Biden's a socialist. The Democratic Party used to be middle of the road, kind of uh, left to centre, you know what I mean? Okay. Now they're so, gone pure left. Okay, but you're saying that Trump is doing very well, are you? He's done very well. He's done fantastic. And considering 80, 90, 80% of the media in America is anti-Trump, pro-Democrat. Pro okay, but is he doing well enough to win? I think I think I, I haven't given up hope. I think he could scrape it yet. I think he I think he will will win it. And why because, is he talking about fraud and stop counting votes? What's all that about? But he's he's absolutely right. I mean, I know that, as you know, that postal votes is important for people abroad and they, like America have have the army overseas, they have troops. But then they brought in this postal vote for people only 15 to 20 miles but what does the, the road. What's wrong with that? A vote is a vote. Why would he not want all votes to be counted? 
Patrick because there was these male ballots were found. His own his own uh, votes were found in a the dumpster there. And in, 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 I mean, there's there's already been plenty of proof of of, of no. Of that's the problem. None of the networks can find any proof to back up his claims of fraud. But so the networks are, are all pro Biden, except Fox News. They only, they, they, they mean, they're, they're all CNN hates hates Trump's country. I mean, you know, they're they've, they've sold out. China, to super Trump, China's going to control America in a couple of years after if Biden wins. It's as simple as that. Because Biden has strong links to China. He's bought, owned, owned and paid for by China. And also Biden, his character, it was never a question. Trump, they've been throwing dust at him for the last four years. But Biden, his only interview in the last year has been to, to a pop actress, Cardi B, whose, whose lyrics are, are absolutely filthy. Mm-hmm. And he's done, he done an interview with, with her. Uh, and she stopped the interview. He never done an interview with like, Sir Piers Morgan or some p- proper political analyst. Or, he never done an interview. So he's getting a, a soft, a soft armchair ride into the White House, and he, he don't deserve it. And when do you expect to be able to get a proper bit of sleep? Like, uh, will it be at some stage today, or will this roll on longer? I will. I'll keep. I'll keep. I'll keep, I'll keep praying for him. I said three holy rosaries yesterday for, for Trump. <laughs> Are you serious? No, yeah, I am because God. That's why. There's two reasons why I I love Trump. First of all, he's the greatest pro-life president of all time. He's totally anti-abortion. And number two, he mentions God most of the time. He mentions God more than the bishops, all, all our Catholic bishops in Ireland put together. So he's a religious leader in my view. He's, he's trying to you, do, you know, do you notice when you watch CNN or Fox or any of the American networks yeah. that all of the anchor people and all of the contributors, they all God bless each other? Do you, do you know is that in American media? To do, and the Irish media don't do it. Do you know that? Do you know yeah, and like I had somebody who mentioned the word God there before 11 o'clock and she thought she had to apologize for it. I thought that was kind of sad. Oh, it's just very sad. Ireland has gone very sad. I know, I'm just I mean, saying, it's just by comparison to the two. Okay, so um, you, you are saying prayers in decades of the rosary because you're worried then. It's not looking I'm good. I'm, I'm worried because if any means Trump got elected, he, he he stopped foreign invest foreign monies for uh, pro abortion. Uh, I know you talk that. about abortion, you talk about God, but you never once mentioned his awful attitude to women. But just, but just feminism has got out of hand. I mean, I know men that are afraid of their wives in this country in Ireland. They're afraid of them. They're afraid of, ah, yes, but there are also women afraid of their husbands, so that doesn't matter. Ah, well, well there's a lot more. This feminism now is like a false religion. You see, you, you, money, money, most, a lot of Irish people, they, they adore money, the mammon. But now there's a, feminism now is another false god, and I mean, kind of... Why, why, why would you have an issue with feminism where women only want to be treated equally as a sex? Equally? have to be treated equally for the last 20, 30 years. They want, they want dominance now. They want dominance now. The dominance. And it, I, the, the facts speak it. Like, I mean, not at all, man. Not at all. They want the same opportunities as men. They want the same wages to be able to do the very same job. I mean, what's wrong with that? They've got them. There's more women driving four-wheel drives around than men in Ireland. Like, I mean, you know, they love, they love their four-wheel drive. And, uh, you know, and look, turn out, I mean, even, uh, how can but anyone doesn't, say women But, but even all of Ireland? that doesn't allow Trump to say the things that he's done and said about women. But surely they're talking about equality. Why shouldn't you, you're saying you, you want, women want to reach equality. So they should be treated the same as men. They should be talked tough as a, as a man talking to a fellow man. Why should they be soft with, with, with women if they're totally wrong? I mean, you're, you know what I mean? That, that, that don't bear up at all. Like, they don't bear up at all. I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, that's one thing I admire about him. Okay. He's kind of, when I hear he's a misogynist, I smile. 
because I, I know he's he's just doing he's been fair he's, he's not a misogynist he's just a, a straight man down the middle and he, he gives praise to women when they you know he's some of his best uh, uh, advisors are women that you know I mean he's he, he's, he's a gentleman I think in my ways and he compared to Joe Biden I mean there's an awful lot of stuff hushed up about Joe Biden going to come out there someday but he'll have ruined the country he's going to fix you know you, and you don't think that the same can't be said about uh, about Trump that things no, have been no, said about no. him and more will be said no Trump 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 uh, he's a changed man because he's, he's going to he, his third wife Melania Trump is a, is a devout Catholic I know that for a fact she, she gets mad said inside well, the what is, every day. For, forgive me why has religion got anything to do with who should be it's, president it's, or run a country like, what's that this country? is more about religion than anything because as you know uh, there's anti-God things in, in, in most countries now China the China, China's ruled by the China Communist Party. I never heard any of all media outlets calling the China Communist Party. All mad about China. China's a great country. China's this, China's that. They have the worst trip out, right? And then you have Russia and you have to come out of communism. They're not, they're not, but they're better than China. You, 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 but here's a man who's, here's a man who, um, uh, just won't pay, won't, won't release his tax receipts. He won't re- release his tax returns. He says they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. It's five years now. We still haven't seen them. But look at all about the employment. I met an Irish guy. He walked. No, but no, you're changing. You're changing the subject. Like, why? Why? What's he got to hide there? He's a businessman, and a lot of businesses go under his. His, his, his businesses are not going that well at the moment. Is it? Okay, just on. Okay, just on the. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, he's a billionaire. He's a multi-billionaire. Phil, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, you want to pick up on uh, on some of the points Con Kremen made regarding women? Is it? That man out was driving me crazy. Yes. I mean, first of all, he's talking about the election. Then he goes on to abortion. Then he goes on to women's rights. <laughs> and women shouldn't have this, they shouldn't have that. Well, r- 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 right, right to Life was a big, big election issue in America. Yeah, huge. And huge. Then, yeah, huge. As far as I'm concerned, men shouldn't even have a vote. They don't carry the baby for nine months. They don't go through all this trauma. Where were all the men and the women and baby homes? Those yeah, little the, girls didn't get pregnant on themselves. Where were the men then? They were, wait, they wait, were wait, never, the, I you, never... You know, I was bringing up that Ireland is in a bad place. We are the first country in the world to vote for abortion. And we'll pay a big price for that down down the road, let me tell you. We'll pay a big, big, big price. Because you know, Ireland, Ireland's not so liberal and left now. Uh, there was a radio station doing a poll yesterday who had to vote for 70%, 76% would vote for Biden. The same percentage as California. And we know what's happening in California. The bushfires, they're nearly burned out of it. But that's God's 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 warning to the to the people. Like I mean, we're going to get it. Hold on, you know, are you saying no, that no. God started the bushfires? Oh, it's yeah. a chastisement on, on the people of California, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. But like, even though, even know, though, even crazy. though, even though the fire departments in California are actually able to prove the people that started the bushfires. A lot of yeah. them, what, one or two of them were rogue barbecues. Some other Egypt then had um, a baby reveal party where he had fireworks that exploded in the colour of the baby, pink, I think. And yes, it yes. set the grass on fire and that set the forest on fire and that set the state on fire. And this has been proven. like Yeah, th- but you never had droughts in California like you have in the last couple of years. You never had droughts. And, and what's going to happen in Ireland because we've gone down anti-God policies. We, we could get a tsunami to hit the southwest coast in any time soon. We could get an earthquake on the east so coast. What kind of a, but what kind of a God would do that? 
He would. I, I, a God, he, he's a justice. He's a, oh yeah, he, he's a good God because we. So have you would have a God that would autom- that would would intentionally create a tsunami wave. I was in Banda Aceh. I was in Indonesia back when there was the tsunami there. I was there with concern, and men, women, children all drowned. Innocent children drowned there in a twenty-five foot wave that came through their villages. I'll never forget it. I spoke with the man who was running down one of the little village streets with his. Daughter daughter. He was holding her hand so tight. The wave came. It was black as night when they were hit by the water. He held onto his daughter's hand and they were being carried along by the wave and he hit a tree underwater um, and he released his daughter's hand and he never, ever found his daughter. That's sad. You're suggesting that that possibly, that a scenario like that could possibly be created by God? Oh, yeah, it could, because, you see, we we went totally, we've gone totally anti-God in this country, where the people were baptized Catholics, and I think think uh, the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, and when we brought in abortion, there was no one screaming for it, the media was saying it should, should, should be aborting it. And, and where, where were the, where, where were our, our bishops left, left us down to? They, they, they were very lukewarm in their, in their uh, defense against it. So, like, I mean, we're on our own, like, and, and, right. and Trump, Trump, Trump is one of the shining lights. He, Trump goes, I, God, I, I, can't, I can't see what there's any hope. Uh, well, let, let Phil respond anyway, at least, Phil. Go okay, ahead. Okay, okay. Yes. Would, would God really want that man on his side? That man is crazy. I don't know whether he's married or children, and if he is. You're, you're saying that Khan is crazy? That, well, whoever's talking to you, know, I didn't get his name. Con. Why is he so yes, well? I mean, he is. He's talking well, bull there now about God is doing this and God is doing that. All these things are man-made. These tsunamis well, and you know that our environment and right. our world. Well, okay. I can tell you that. I can tell you now. There's about two or three visionaries have got messages from God that Trump is pleasing to God. No, two or three, not not one. There's one in Philippines and he won in Brazil. Ah, would you come and stall the ball? Yeah, I know. He's crazy. That's Trump is pleasing to God. He's standing up for the unborn child. No, listen. And you see CNN and all all the thousands that were were on there about dying from coronavirus. There's a thousand babies a day aborted in America and the United States. They never never put up that graph. They never put up that graph. They only put up the ones that died of coronavirus. All right. That's that's a man-made virus. Mother and baby homes. What about those four babies that were buried? That is lies, too. There's a man who's written a book about the tomb and modern baby tomb, and he said that that is lies. That that was not a septic tank. That was a cavern that was built to put in those bones of the babies. He never had buried those Ah, for God's sake, Con, give me a break. Don't be so disrespectful to the children that are buried in, 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 certainly buried in tomb and probably buried somewhere down in Besborough. There's 900 babies unaccounted for in Besborough. Oh, hang on, 900, no, 900, 900 died of which 70 can be accounted for. Yeah, well, there was TB at that time. There was an no, I'm not disputing how they died. I'm talking about where yeah. they were buried. Yeah, All right. Okay. Okay. Guys. Should show respect. There should be uh, okay. uh, prayer. There should be a mass there. They don't say pray, prayers. I, I said three rosaries. I said, how many? How many cents rosary in Ireland? Oh, point zero 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 one percent. There was many. There are very valid reasons. There are very. 
she wouldn't no. our lady wouldn't want you as a family alright ok I'm thank you both thank you Phil thank you Con. much obliged keep those texts coming you want to pick up on that on those conversations guys text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 1850104106 you never know what's coming next on this here radio program this is the Neil Prenderville show tweet the show at Neil Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM Right, we'll come back to a lot of texts and calls, certainly with regards to what Khan had to say. Trump Neil is ahead in Michigan with 16 electoral votes. Trump is ahead in Pennsylvania with 20 electoral votes. Trump is ahead in North Carolina with 15 electoral votes. Trump is ahead in Georgia with 16. Trump is ahead in Alaska with three. Uh, Biden's ahead in Wisconsin and Nevada with 16 votes between them. Yet you say that Trump is engaged in electioneering fraud. Uh, come on, man. No wonder it's the Democrat, it's the Democrats that continue to pull these strokes. Okay. Interesting texts and many of them. Um, just with with regards to uh, the uh, American presidential election for a little while longer, uh, I was listening when uh, George Hook was on the air and on News Talk for many years, listening to a contribution that he had very regularly with a man called Michael Graham. And I was always very interested in their conversations. So I got on to George Hook yesterday and asked him, who is that chap that you spoke to in America on the show regularly? And he gave me the contact details. It's Michael Graham, uh, the managing editor of Inside Sources, a national news outlet, media outlet in America. He's a media personality. He does radio, television, print. He's a commentator as well. Did a lot of work with George and he joins me by phone. He's been up all night long. Michael, good morning. Good morning or good night or whatever. All I know is it's always the right time for an Irish whiskey, <laughs> no matter what time of day it is. Well, perhaps you have and one next to you for this conversation. Uh, it'll be, it won't be my first. I will put it that way. Okay, so what's going on? Is it too soon to call? Yes, it's too soon to call, and anybody who tells you they know who's going to win this thing is a liar. Nobody knows. And one reason is, first of all, I want to get something on the record. Whatever you've been told by any previous guest, I used to run campaigns for a living. I had to hire pollsters. If I were in the business of hiring pollsters today, I would have them all summarily executed on the lawn of their office building. They Why? completely screwed this up. It is completely wrong. And you know, four years ago, their argument was, well, we got the big picture right. We knew Hillary would win the popular vote slightly. We just missed the state. So there's no excuse for how wrong the polling has been. And so that brings me to the second point, which is, People are trying to project what's going to happen in states like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania based on the votes they have in hand and the polls. Well, the polls are wrong, and the votes they have on hand aren't the traditional pile of votes because, like you guys with COVID, we've had COVID, and so the voting is very different. Inside Sources owns a publication outside in the Philly suburbs, Philadelphia suburbs, called Delaware Valley Journal. We've been tracking the erection there. It's a blue area that's very key to Pennsylvania. And I can tell you from our own polling and reporting, et cetera, the votes that are in today that have already been counted aren't even close to what the universe of votes will look like once they start counting the mailed-in ballots. We have so many more mailed-in ballots. Imagine if you used to have one in 100 mailed-in ballots, and now you have one in three are mailed-in ballots. That's how big the shift is. And so nobody knows what's going to happen once you start counting in this strange COVID influence. The polls are all wrong. So what were the polls predicting at the time? A landslide Biden victory, was it? 
Uh, 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 nationally, in fact, I just uh, we just uh, posted the stories a few minutes ago. The average was that Biden was going to win around the nation by nine points. Well, this is not obviously been close to a nine point win. And the states that are hotly contested, there was a poll five or six days ago where Trump was supposed to lose Wisconsin by 17 points. The average was he's supposed to lose Wisconsin by four or five. He's supposed to lose Pennsylvania by five. You know, he's supposed to lose Florida by two or three. The polls were just so completely wrong. Well, one of the first results we saw coming in was a fl- was a Trump win in Florida. Do you think we've been hearing a lot here about um, a, 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 maybe a significant percentage of American voters who, who are voting Trump but don't say they're voting Trump for whatever reason best known to themselves? Right. Well, I can tell you the reason. The reason is because if you wear a Trump hat in public, people will yell at you spontaneously as you walk down the street. If you put a Trump sticker on your car, people will you know scratch your car. I, I'm not a big Trump fan, and uh, but I have great sympathy for the Trump supporters. They get treated in a way that I, in my life of covering politics, winning campaigns, have never seen people treated. You post something on social media that's even neutral about Trump, mm. <laughs> you'll get 500 face you know, hate messages. I have friends who are journalists who are anti, not anti Trump, but you know, they're not support, Trump supporters. And they'll simply report facts about, for, for example, about the don't, these polls. So, you know, there's, there's some errors here. And they'll get screamed at, don't say that, don't say that. So when you, when you live in a country where literally your job can be at risk, if someone finds out you're supporting Donald Trump, it's no surprise that a significant number of is Trump it, is it Can it be that bad that. that somebody's career would be affected by a Trump vote? Oh, absolutely. Without it, I mean, for, in, in journalism, definitely. I mean, there are people who've lost their jobs. Can I just ask you about that? I, I mean, for, for example, that, just, you've just me, brought that up there. Let me tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Here's, here's a true story. Here's a true story from New England, uh, the suburbs outside Boston. There was a local guy who went to a restaurant. It was, you know, it was COVID era, so he was sitting out. You know, we have to eat outside and everything. And he was there after work with friends, talking to his friends. The bartender overheard him saying stuff like, I like Trump and I'm not, you know, Black Lives Matter is a problem and blah, blah, blah. Just having his own conversation. The waiter goes on Facebook, reports his version of the conversation, puts the guy's name up. The guy gets thrown out of the restaurant. He's barred. He can't come back to the restaurant again. And the people... In, in liberal Massachusetts are supporting the restaurant for throwing the guy out. But hold on a second, just on that point, we, we don't we don't actually know how racist that guy was sitting there. Um, nor do we know the color of the skin of the way. We don't know anything. We Because he was not, you know, we, the, the sus- suspicion is he might be pro-Trump and so he must be banned. And so that's that's so, where we are. That's and, and, how it's working in America. And for us over here, when we watch and look on, we see Fox and we see CNN. Right. Polls apart, right? right. That's, that's very much an intentional divide, isn't it? Uh, unfortunately, yes. And it's a real problem for people who like actual journalism and are trying to get the facts and understand what's going on. And, you know, the, the thing that cracks me up is Trump does so many things that are, you know, that are negative, that are that you can attack him for. I don't understand why CNN and The New York Times feel the need to make stuff up. But they they insist on going over the top and, 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 and pushing what has sadly turned into 
we have now have two camps spreading propaganda, yeah. and it's very hard to find people who are just look. Here's what really happened. Here's what the facts really are, and the facts are that uh, the economy in the United States was as strong as it's ever been in the modern era before COVID hit. That's just a fact. Do you put that it's down to Trump? That Trump has been a fiasco on COVID, you know, contradicting himself and being unclear, et cetera. Those are both facts. And you can report both facts without picking a side, but that's not where we are. And so you have a bunch of Americans who are very worried about their jobs and other Americans who are very worried about COVID. And that's why I think it was a close election. I think it really hurt Joe Biden in the end that he had so strongly identified himself with the lockdown strategy, that the idea that we're going to you know, you know, do this to the economy yet again. Uh, Donald Trump, it, uh, based on exit polls, did surprisingly well with Hispanic voters. A lot of those voters are, you know, blue collar workers. You know, they work, they can't do their job on a laptop. They got to go show up and work. Uh, the polls showed that Trump was going to do particularly well for a Republican with black men. Now he's, you know, he still lost them, you know, 85 to 15, but for Republicans, that's, you know, particularly good. If that turns out to be true, it'll be back to the idea of no matter what you think of Trump and his statements and whether you think he's racist or not, if you're a guy who has to feed your family, you're a lot more worried about keeping your job going right. than you yeah. are about, yeah. you know, but offensive, of, idiotic things a politician may have said. Of the two, of the two candidates, one is 74 and the other is 78 right. this <laughs> month. Um, <laughs> like, why, why, why did America, I don't mean to be ageist here now, but I think you know what I mean. Right. I mean, like, Joe Biden oh, will be listen, 78. I will be ageist, okay? I will absolutely be ageist. My dad is the age of these guys, and he can barely keep track of where his keys are. You know, he can, you know, he's, he's the guy who'll spend half an hour looking for his hat that's on his head. I mean, come <laughs> on. This stuff happens when you get old. It's not a, it's not an insult or anything. And, and how embarrassing is that the Democratic leader is Nancy Pelosi, who I I think is 147 years old. The Republican, you know, the Republicans have these senators on the Judiciary Committee who, you know, are, they're, they're looking at the you know, microphone in front of them saying, talking the talking machine. I mean, that's, it is, there is something wrong with the American system that keeps these people in power. There are a lot of people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who could be leading and being more dynamic. Yeah. I, I think it's all part. Trump is a symbol. He's not, he, Trump himself doesn't represent anything. He's a symbol. He's a tool that people are using to send messages. And one message that Americans are trying to send is the way it is right now is broken. It's bad. It just, we're not happy. And, uh, and so as much as uh, Americans fear the kind of fundamental change that people on the far left, like Elizabeth Warren, have been pushing, I think they do want to see some shift and some change. They want the dam to break. And uh, I think that may be one reason why, if Trump is reelected, that may be one reason why they still are, think there's, the, the system needs some more shaking. But here's, an, here's another issue. And we were talking about this on the air yesterday with American contributors, primarily out of Manhattan and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, America now accepts that, they, that it seems to be a fact of life, that they have to board up their businesses against violence and against looting. Like mm-hmm. it's a very divided and changed country with horrific scenes right across the summer all over the country. Um, this is about an election, like where businesses have to board up and buy plywood. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on that are that, uh, you know, Trump is, you know, uh, it's, he, he feeds the anger that helps lead to that. But at the same time, you know, there are a lot of people who didn't like Barack Obama when he was president. They started a movement called the Tea Party, and millions of people gathered around the country. There was no violence. 
they would have a rally at the mall in Washington, D.C., and it would be cleaner when they left than when they got there. There is, there is simply, it is simply the case that in America, if you are committing political violence, there's a 90% chance that you are on the left. Now, the most deadly violence, unfortunately, tends to be committed by these lone gunmen who are either right or alt-right or weirdo. They're just weirdos. Yes, there's a mix on that, and uh, and uh, and that's hor- horrific, obviously. But no one is – trust me, if Trump loses, there will not be Republicans putting down their you know golf clubs and taking off their neckties and going out to riot in the streets. Everyone knows who's going to riot. It's going to be supporters of Joe Biden not supporters of Donald Trump. Why do, you, why do you say that with so much certainty? Because that's what we've had. Look at the summer, the summer riots. The riots over here were you know, 99.9% Democrat. When the New York Times had to run a story, or maybe it was the Washington Post on the two, saying, hey, it's okay, America, 88% of the protests this summer were nonviolent. That's terrible. <laughs> what do you mean? One out of ten of the protests were violent? That's not good. We don't want the violence. And so I know the European media highlight every time some, you know, Proud Boys knucklehead does something. Yeah. But in reality, that's what we hear of almost yeah, almost yeah, Trump supporting yeah, well, this Proud the, Boys movement. Exactly. Philadelphia had riots three days ago. It was all entirely people on the left riots and looting and stealing washing machines and blah, blah, blah. That's what's really the, the good news is America doesn't have a lot of political violence. Um, and the fact is, most of the political violence is from the left. But like I said, the most lethal violence, you know, the, the guy who picks up a gun and starts shooting into a crowd, that's far more rare and it's more likely to be someone on the right. So, so the so the business is boarded up and all of the plywood has more to do with looting and criminality than it does exactly. a reaction to a political movement. Exactly right. And, there's, and that's also something that I think needs to be said, which is that there are plenty of people who are marching on the left who have no aren't interested in violence at all. And then you have the opportunistic looters who are just people who, you know, they don't, they, if you're, we had a, a basketball championship in Los Angeles a few weeks ago and there were people out, you know, causing trouble and stealing stuff. So some of that's opportunistic. But I just want to, I, because I know how the European media work, I just want you to understand the message you're getting that America is rife with right-wing, white supremacists. There are no Republicans in Washington, D.C., and the entire city is boarded up. There are no Republicans in Manhattan, and the city is, you know, boarded up. But, so, you know, there, there's your, there are the facts that uh, some people don't want to report. And so where is this going to go? Are we looking at the rest of the day? Are we looking at another day or two? Or oh, what? no, we're looking at the rest of the week. The, wow. you know, Pennsylvania has announced that they're not going to even start counting the, uh, uh, their ballots uh, that, that, are, uh, that are cast the day of the election until Friday because they're accepting mail-in ballots until Friday. The election was yesterday, but they're going to count stuff they get on Friday. And so uh, this is going to definitely take all week if it comes down to one or two states, and it looks absolutely certain like it's coming down to one or two states. My prediction, Trump holds on to Georgia and North Carolina, and so it's all going to come down to who wins two out of three, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Now, if that's the case, the odds are that Biden will win. Um, But the Republicans will hold on to the U.S. Senate. That's already a done deal. They picked up some seats in the House. So all the talk about a huge blue wave, everyone in America hates Trump, you know, blah, blah, blah. The pollsters got that completely wrong. We are a 50-50 nation. That's the fact. But it sounds to me as if you're saying that Biden will squeak it into the presidency. 
That would be if if I had to bet money, and I would not bet more than you know twenty. What, what do you guys use over there? Bob quid euro. Whatever the hell it is. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, whatever the stone. I would only bet seventy five farthings on uh, on this. But, uh, and 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 if that happens, and Biden becomes the next president, there will be some months to go before that. Will Trump go quietly? I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, some people think that he wants to stay. I'll just put it this way. Trump is not interested in politics. Trump is interested in Trump. And I, I you know, I would, I would expect him to start a media em- empire with his name on it. Because remember, he made his big money doing media. And he made his big money in real estate, not by building real estate, but by putting his name on real estate, licensing his name. So I could definitely see, you know, Trump TV, Trump news, Trump whatever, uh, but uh, who knows? You know, it's it's a. I, I've stopped making predictions, man. It's twenty twenty is the craziest year I've ever lived through in my entire life, and uh, and I've been married for ten years, so I know crazy. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> let's see what the I mean, coming. My wife is right next to me. So That's I, okay. I, then you can say it without fear of censure. Can I report spousal abuse from America <laughs> to Ireland? <Can> I, <laughs> Come back and let me know how she reacts to that, Michael. But thanks for taking the call for okay. now. Appreciate it. Have a good My day. My pleasure. My best to everyone. Thanks. Take care. Michael Graham, Managing Editor of uh, the National News Media Outlet, Inside Sources. Um, and you heard it. He said that if he were to bet, it would be a small amount of money and it would be likely to be bet on Biden as next president of the United States of America. But as they say, it's all to play for. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Just staying with the American presidential election, I came across a lovely story out of uh, the school down in Yall, Yall's Bunskull Vura yesterday, where the teacher who teaches in the autism uh, unit um, had the students vote in the American presidential election. I thought it was lovely, and I'm joined by that teacher, Susan Conway. Susan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so what happened that you decided to have an election? Were you chatting about it? Yes, well, I suppose November is a new month, and we came back to school, and every month, the children in my class are visual learners, really. So they learn through pictures a lot. So we start our month with a calendar, and they all have their own calendar for November, and we're sticking on pictures of important things that are happening in the month, like a birthday party or science week. And so we came to the presidential election, and... All of the kids had some knowledge of Donald Trump just in the sense that I suppose his appearance is quite memorable and he's kind of almost cartoon-like to them. Um, And I was thinking, how would I explain properly to them what a presidential election is like and what it means? And I think we all learn best through doing. So we set up a special... um, polling station in the classroom and we had our American bunting and they had their little ballot papers with pictures of the different of the candidates and um, we had a little secret poll but beforehand now I had told the mammies and daddies that we were having this little vote so some of them had had a discussion at home about the candidates <laughs> and their qualities. Um, so so mammy and daddy got a look in in the vote as well. A little bit <laughs> but even on Monday when we were chatting and kind of brainstorming in class a few had been leaning slightly towards Donald Trump but by the time they came in on Tuesday morning anyway, they were all loyal um, Biden supporters. So we, um, we used it as our math lesson and we counted all the votes and tallied and we made a little graph to show the results. And I'm afraid poor Donald got no vote and um, Biden got a landslide. Victory. Trump got no votes at all from the kids? No, none. I thought maybe we might have a few, but no, he got no vote at all. And even this morning now when I went down to the line to check the kids, 
that's what they were talking about the election and um, I have six great children in my class and they were there and they were saying God I know Donald Trump one of them was saying he's a 45th president but he really isn't a very good president you know and they were talking about his qualities and how you know a good president should be kind to people and they don't call them names and they're not rude they had a thought you know it's just amazing and even during the morning now they're kind of saying teacher can we check and see how they're voting really they're even following the real election Absolutely. It's just amazing. I suppose we learn or we teach kind of through teams. So this month, our theme is America. But for the last few months, we've been learning about Ireland and they absolutely adore Michael D. Higgins. And I suppose he's very different to Donald Trump. And uh, it's just <laughs> In many concept. ways. So if, if Donald Trump is the cartoon character to them that you describe, he's a baddie. Yes, actually, that, that word came up yesterday, all right. He was kind of cast as the villain. One of the kids I had a kind of pictures up on the board and he's saying, yeah, teacher, he's a baddie. And then there was a picture of my supposed wife, Melania, and she's saying, teacher, she a baddie too. You know, so it's just interesting the way children perceive things. It's a great idea, actually, isn't it? Because there's so many different facets of education and, you know, life skills that you can teach in a school. And amongst them, amongst them is that one. Are you, are you hoping yourself then that Americans will follow your classes, uh, you know, overwhelming vote for Biden? Yes. I don't, I'm not, I suppose, I, I am hoping, I'm not overly political, but I think a lot of people are hoping that they'll choose a president who will be a role model for, you know, for children. Um, that, you know, we treat people as we'd like to treat ourselves rather than name calling and resorting to all sorts of measures and things don't go their way. Or one of the children in my class says this morning, I hope Donald doesn't have a temper tantrum. <laughs> They're smart kids. They're smart they, kids. I mean, they're amazing. You know, children, they have autism, but they have amazing strengths and they really do learn from repetition. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing uh, to teach the way they learn what they can learn. I think it's a great idea. And what age are we talking about? Um, the youngest in my class is eight and the eldest is ten and a half. So there's six, we have one girl in our class, Maeve, and we have five boys, Luke, Dion, William, Mikey and Lorcan, and they're just, they're fantastic. Well done, well done. It's a great story. Thanks for sharing it. I'll let you get back well, to thank them. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate really appreciate you mentioning our story. Take care. Bye, Susan. Susan Conway, teacher in uh, Shielta Bioga at Yalls Bunskol Vura. Um, poor old Donald Trump. Didn't get a vote. Not one. Nada. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, digital passes then for the Cork International Film Festival. What we need to know is the word that's beeped, the two actors and the movie. You know what they call uh, a quarter panel with cheese uh, and hair? They call it... Uh, what do they call a big man? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. <laughs> Get dialing on that now. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You're calling already. I see. As we wish a happy birthday, please would you wish a happy birthday to our granddaughter in Canada? Her name is Ava May Bailey, and she's twelve years old today. You've spoken to her mum, Linda, in Canada, and that's from proud grandparents Jimmy and Margaret. So happy birthday for today, Ava. May Bailey and to all the family out there. Not quite sure what part of Canada, but regards to you all, wherever you may be. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We're going to pick it up in the morning. Uh, we have that fi- that uh, third uh, of our different five giveaways for digital passes, complimentary access to the film festival screenings. 
for the 65th Cork International Film Festival. It starts on Sunday and it runs right through until the 15th of November. Further details, download the app, app CIFF 2020. Congratulations to Sharon O'Mahony, Summerston in Glasheen. This is the piece with the beeps taken out. You know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They call it Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. Great, great film. Samuel L. Jackson with John Travolta. A Royale with cheese from Pulp Fiction. We'll do it all over again tomorrow. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.